What's happening, weirdos? This is Matthew Johnson, Dr. Matthew Johnson. Excuse me. <laughs> he didn't correct me. This is Dr. Matthew Johnson, guys. He is the professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at John Hopkins. He's also one of the world's most published scientists on the human effects of psychedelics. And he's uh, for spearheading, spearheading, spearheading. Yeah, they say that. He's the tip of the spear of psychedelic research at John Hopkins, uh, uh, which is John's Hopkins. Excuse me. The Hopkins belongs to John. I've made a lot of mistakes in this intro, but we're keeping it. This is Matthew Johnson. We had a two-hour chat about psychedelics and spirituality and science, and it was awesome. And I really hope you enjoy it. And thank you for listening. And if you want to support the show, try a Pete's Pick. This is, this is how we keep the lights on. It means a lot. We don't have a Patreon. We don't have a donate button. If you like this Always Free podcast, uh, it would help us out if you if you try one of the picks. One of them is one of our oldest Pete's picks. It's MeUndies. I'm currently wearing my panda. <laughs> it's like red pandas. Well, the underwear is red, and then there's panda, black and white, standard black and white pandas. So let me ask you, what's something you wear that you can't see, but it can make or break your day? If you guessed underwear... You were listening to the beginning of the ad when I said me undies, and you probably have a lot of good days. Seriously, there is a reason your underwear is the first thing you put on. Me undies believes you should be comfortable at your core. That is why they make the softest undies in fun prints, so you can wake up every morning excited to put on your favorite pair. So say bun voyage, come on, to the undies you used to know, because comfort starts with me undies. Val and I heard about MeUndies on another podcast, uh, and we wanted to support that podcast, and we did it, and we did complete overhaul, top to tails, emphasis on tails, all our underwear is MeUndies now, and there's no looking back. It is the softest, most comfortable, and yes, fun underwear I've ever owned. I do look forward to picking out certain pair for certain events, certain you know patterns that put me in a good mood. It's real and comfortable, and they fit fantastic, and they look great. MeUndies are designed to be the softest thing you've ever worn. I mean, their signature micro-modal fabric literally grows from trees. Sustainably sourced undies. Sustainably sourced undies. Sustainably sourced undies. Yes. Say less. They offer different cuts for different butts, ranging sizes from extra small to 4XL. I actually wear 3XL because I don't like my undies too tight. So whether you're looking for classic colors or adventurous prints, MeUndies has you covered. And MeUndies has a great offer for my listeners, for the weirdos. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping. MeUndies also has a problem-free philosophy. If you're not satisfied with any product for any reason, they'll refund or exchange it. No caveats, no questions. To get 15% off your first order, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash weird. That's MeUndies.com slash weird. And show your support of this show. Another important piece pick is Ritual. It's the multivitamin that I do. It's the first thing I do in the morning. I pop my Ritual and I feel great and ready to start my day. And we deserve to know what we're putting in our bodies, especially when it comes to something we take every day, like a multivitamin. And Ritual's clean, vegan-friendly multivitamin is formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms your body can actually use. It's designed so it breaks down in your small intestine, which is where the vitamin can actually be absorbed into your bloodstream. So no more just peeing out worthless vitamins. These have a delayed release. You won't find sugar, 
GMO, major allergens, synthetic fillers, or artificial colorants, plus the fresh minty taste and delayed release capsule design make taking your vitamin easy. I do intermittent fasting. I'm also mostly vegan, so I have some uh, vitamin deficiencies in my diet, stuff we used to get from the soil, but it's not in the soil anymore, like B12, obviously, uh, which is in Ritual, which is super important, uh, wonderful for energy and that sort of stuff, and vitamin D, which is all the hype these days. Boom. Pretty much whatever you're looking for is in your Ritual, and not only that, they tell you where they come from. You'll know where the nutrients you're taking come from. Thanks to Ritual's one-of-a-kind visible supply chain. And I mentioned intermittent fasting because taking something like a multivitamin on an empty stomach can sometimes make you yak. But because Ritual is a delayed release, you can take it on on an empty stomach and it doesn't upset your tongue, which I think is super, super cool. Uh, Two daily pills gets you everything. All the high-quality nutrients, as I mentioned, vitamin D3, B12. Now available for women, men, teens, ritual multivitamins are scientifically developed to help support different life stages. Your multivitamins are delivered to your door every month with free shipping. I love the packaging. It's super, super minimal. It's not a bunch of like packing peanuts and popping bubbles and stuff. It's basically the least amount of uh, waste possible, which I love. And you can start, snooze, or cancel your subscription anytime. If you don't love Ritual, within your first month, they'll refund your first order. So, get key nutrients without the BS. Ritual is offering offering weirdos 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash weird to start your ritual today. That's ritual, R-I-T-U-A-L dot com slash weird to start your ritual today and show your support of this podcast. Last but not least is our uh, one of my favorite new Pete's Picks because it's gotten rid of our mosquitoes and has our lawn looking great is Sunday. Sunday is the all-in-one, easy, simple, not only lawn analysis tool that's completely done online, but lawn care system that is so easy. I'm going to say it, even I can do it. We're going into summer, obviously. We're here in summer. We're talking about brown spots on our lawn, bare patches, weeds, nibbling grubs. As I said, mosquitoes can be a problem here in L.A., If you want to see your lawn thrive this summer, get your own custom lawn care plan today from Sunday. Sunday is more than just a lawn care product. It's a custom lawn care plan with a variety of ways to help you grow a beautiful lawn, control weeds, and remove pests. They take out all the guesswork and the unwanted chemicals so you can grow a beautiful lawn that's better for people, pets, and the planet. I was so blown away by how you go to the website, you type in your address, and the free lawn analysis, meaning before you bought anything, it shows you what you need, it analyzes your climate, it talks about the soil, it talks about the weather, and it basically puts it together for you. It couldn't be easier. I got Mosquito Delito as my Sunday add-on. Mosquitoes are gone. My neighbors, uh, we talked about it, we got our neighbors on Sunday as well. I am not big into lawn care. I was pretty negligent before Sunday, but you just hook it up to a hose and spray it. It's just like watering the lawn, but you're getting all of these natural ingredients that your soil and your grass needs. I love it. Lee loves to watch me do it. It's a lot of fun. Sunday makes taking care of your lawn easier than ever. As I mentioned, you just go to GetSunday.com, put in your home address, and their free lawn analysis tool takes care of the rest all in just seconds. Sunday uses soil and climate data to create a tailored nutrition plan so you get all the stuff your lawn needs and nothing it doesn't. 
Sunday is made with ingredients you can actually pronounce, like seaweed, iron, and molasses, so you can grow better and feel better about it. Sunday explains exactly what you get and why, and everything is waiting at your door when you need it. All I had to do is attach the ready-to-use pouch to a garden hose and spray. Lawn care used to take up my whole day, but now thanks to Sunday, it literally takes less than 15 minutes. Best of all, this stuff really works. Grass looks great. Neighbors are happy. The whole block. (laughs) We're looking green and happy. I love it. If you're interested, guys, and you want to show your support of the show, let Sunday take the guesswork out of growing a greener, more beautiful lawn this summer. Go to GetSunday.com slash weird to get $20 off your custom lawn plan at checkout. That's $20 off your custom plan at GetSunday.com slash weird and show your support of this podcast. All right, guys, I'm excited for you to hear this. It It went by so fast. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Enjoy. Dr. Matthew Johnson, get into it. Look at you. Look at you. <laughs> I've only ever seen you in a little icon. I'm, I'm loving this. Look at you. Well, what's your first and uh, well, I'll ask you first what your first impression is, because I've been getting a common one recently when people see me in person. Is that after right? They've, after they've seen my profile pic, the one I've been oh. using. Well, you're skinnier. You you look younger and skinnier, but like less. Uh, I hope this doesn't bother you. You look less academic. Like your photo is very like author photo. And this guy, I'm like, let's get some pineapple on the beach. <laughs> I don't know. Like there's there's a mai tai feeling to you that I that I'm really relieved to see because I was like, oh, I hope he's. Uh, Okay, not just being uh, in the academic vein, you know, this chat or whatever you want to do. But well, I am a psychedelic academic. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> just not your traditional academic. Well, That's right. The people have been telling me is like my the, the, the photo I've been using basically is my professional photo for like probably too long now is like my beard is like that long. I was growing it for like three years. Wow. And, and I chopped it up sometime into the pandemic when things were you know, look like they were like really serious. Like, and I was taking the, the, the face mask guidelines. Remember the CDC put out this like thing, like on like the, these facial styles for men are okay. And these ones aren't like, no. work. Yeah, they did this. Maybe it kind of like, you know, I'm in the hospital university setting, so it might be bigger kind of in my world, but it was like, they didn't want really long ZZ top beards basically. Well, Basically, yeah, that was one of ones that they didn't want. And anything that wouldn't allow, like, see, it's a little longer now, but basically this would allow a mask to go around. And I see. a ZZ Top one goes out. Know, w- would not. But they did allow, I looked over, and it's pretty comprehensive. And, like, they have, like, the Zappa on it. I'm like, Frank Zappa. Like, <laughs> and I discovered that, like, I mean, that guy must have been, like exuding testosterone because he grew hair because his pl- pluses and minuses. He probably grew hair out of his ears. But one of the things is like every inch of his face, the, the Zappa is the handlebar mustache, like the, like the Hulk, the Hulkster yeah. or, the, or, or the Lemmy Kilmister uh, uh, from Motorhead mustache, but with a, not a soul patch, but like a, like a, like, a, a yeah, soul like a, garden. Like the a soul garden, the whole yeah. thing is like, uh, and I just couldn't do it. But I no, I know what you mean. It's ultimate testosterone, and it's funny. That's where I went. Uh, right to our beards, more testosterone posturing because I, I know they're showing that you grow a facial hair. You know, like I always think of like um, uh, Jason Statham 
high testosterone leads to male pattern baldness and he's kind of better bald like he's more manly with chest hair and bald bruce willis same sort of thing and then i was like is facial hair and i I know you're going to be able to talk about this i used to have a joke about how drinking alcohol is proof that as a mammal you can ingest poison and stay upright like that's why men don't drink pina coladas on dates traditionally they drink whiskey they want to look like no sissy i don't need it exactly (laughs) and isn't that just gorilla behavior that's like that's like bonobo behavior you're 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 like and testosterone shane told me that shane moss is poison so the more so is a beard then look germs and shit can land on my covid catcher and i'm fine like is it (laughs) is it two levels of posturing having a beard well, I'm somewhat masculine and I'm probably not maxed out because that comes with a lot of bad stuff. So that probably <laughs> shaving off the monster beard during the pandemic was probably evidence of, of not being at the the absolute, you know, extreme. But yeah. People have like what made me bring up is like people have gotten almost like uh, they want like a rebate or something because they wanted me. They've like they roped me into something and, and yeah. they say because of the psychedelic work and like send me your profile pic and everything. And then like man, we wanted the beard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like, we wanted that kind of William James old style scholar, you know, almost smoking a tobacco pipe, you know, like well, dude, school academic. And- isn't it funny there? So I, I, I'm assuming you are at least aware of Terrence McKenna. I don't know. Do you like Terrence? Oh yeah. I'm a huge Terrence McKenna fan. I'm a probably huge. Listen to, I've read every book and probably listened to more than, than I should have. Yeah. Probably everything I could get my hands on in terms of his audio, which is where he really, as you know, like yes. you know, books are interesting and good, but like listening to those seminars. Yeah. I mean, the orator, the Irish bard, you know, yeah. as a speaker, that's where he. Yeah. Shined. And as somebody who does showbiz, like he doesn't project and he doesn't even seem that interested in getting laughs or anything. He's just sort of. He's just sort of talking the way a river babbles. I, I'm not saying he's babbling. I'm saying like the way a creek is just sort of naturally producing this sort of effortless sound. He does that where he just keeps going and going and going. And it's just more fascinating, and more fascinating. So we have that in common. I'm listening to him. And this goes back to your beard. He's like, we are clothed in the accoutrement of our drugs, right? The so accoutrement. he's <laughs> where he says where where you see that the mushroom. So like we we look like he sort of makes this interesting point where he goes. You go to uh, Ireland and you can see that alcohol is the is the drug traditionally speaking of Ireland like you see it in the clothing you see it in the faces and the hair and then he you know that that's debatable i suppose but like it's easier when he's making fun of us he goes you come to america and you can see in our clothing in our hair in our faces that we are a sugar meat and alcohol society like the sugar the meat and the alcohol dresses us like it makes it makes us choose our clothes and our haircuts and all of this stuff. So when you have a guy like you who's spelunking into the multiverse, into hyperspace and studying it, 
don't we expect then that dimension to have an impact on you? Shane Moss grew a huge wizard beard during the pandemic. And I, I was talking to him recently and I was like, uh, maybe people on Instagram tell you to shave the beard. And he's like, no, people tell me don't shave the beard. They'd be really mad. And I think it's because picture a stoner, picture a mushroom head or a dead head. They look different. And uh, I know I'm talking a lot, but isn't there something to be said about if you're traveling to those places, aren't they going to start rubbing off on you? I wear more colorful stuff. Like tie-dye makes way more sense to me after you've tripped than before, right? I gave you a lot. What did that make you think of? Yeah, yeah. I, I, there could be something to that. I, I mean, like a lot, the beauty of, of Terrence was that where, where the kind of the progression started from Terrence's like, you know, take on, you know, the drugs of the culture influencing everything from the dress to like, you know, the, the looks of the people. I mean, like so much stuff about him, it's like, it's plausible and really intriguing, you know, maybe depending on your state uh, of mind at the time where you hear it, but it's yeah. like, you know, it's, it, probably, it wouldn't hold up to scientific scrutiny, maybe because the science isn't good enough to wrap itself around those questions yet. I mean, it's a pretty right. far out there, complex, and maybe because it's complete bullshit, and who knows? And <laughs> Well, isn't it funny? You will hear him say something, and this is, again, the fun. Like, you're talking, you're listening to a man in 1993 predicting the future, so you have to give him some slack. Obviously, you do. But I remember the last talk I watched of his, this was last night. He was talking about Eleusis and the Athenian Mysteries, which is how you and I met, which yeah. is Brian's book Brian, and yeah. his hypothesis that that might have been something like psilocybin that started uh, democracy and started ancient religions and then later bled from Dionysus into into Jesus. Mm -hmm. and, he, and Terrence, in this talk, the one that I was just watching for fun last night, he posits that it was opium. That he and I had never heard. I was like, "How strange!" I had never heard anyone ever talk about that ever. And he had like a a, a different theory. Of course, I'm sure he would read Brian's book and be like, "Egad, it was there all along." But like <laughs> at the time, he was like, uh, he was suggesting that it was opium. Interesting. I don't recall that. I mean, there's there's a lot of content there, and maybe I've missed one or two lectures. So, oh my God, isn't it possible that you forgot it though? I mean, I mean, yeah, there's so I really many. dug into him. Like, gosh, it was with the first few years where I actually i i i i was familiar and had listened to him before I i, I got into psychedelic research 17 years ago, but I really poured into him. Yeah. When I was like full fledged, like doing psychedelic research. So it was probably like 15 <laughs> years ago. And I'll, I'll go back every once in a while. I recently discovered there's a, a Terrence McKenna, like a search engine where, uh, you know, like all of his audio, well, not all. And I, I did find there are some exceptions, but a whole lot of his audio recordings from all those various crazy seminars. Mm. Um, someone has transcribed them such that you can put in a term and like you can find it. So I'll think of something I heard 15 years ago when Whoa. I was like really obsessed and listening like every day, you know, some of his lectures and I'll be like, like, like recently something funny. He's, and I brought this up in the context uh, uh, of, of the psychedelic work in terms of the emergent, like watch out for shaman, watch out. Like you just got to be careful because this puts people into spaces where, yeah, you can, you're, it, there's a lot of power. You can lead people to, 
great things and hold that kind of position responsibly, whether you're leading people through, you know, sort of like regulated research like I do, or whether you're kind of, you know, a shaman or underground practitioner, whatever, these psychedelics seem to afford a lot of power in terms of their their effects on people. But you got to be mindful of like the people that are wielding that power. So one of the things that he made points he made more generally about kind of shaman and spiritual leaders in general is like people keep one hand on over your wallet and one hand over your asshole. <laughs> and I was like, what lecture did he say that? In? And I kept, I was Googling it and yeah. couldn't find it. And then I stumbled upon this, like this, like Terrence McKenna, like um, search engine. It's yeah. Like, lo and behold, it brought me to like one of those, uh, you know, which you could lecture? just type in asshole or you probably said wallet, <laughs> exactly. wallet and asshole. And like, that's wow. Probably, like if you mentioned those two words, it was probably. Wow. That. That's so, so cool. So where do you, this might be an interesting place to start. Can you think of a big glaring way that you and McKenna differ? You've done, you've both done a lot of research. Yours has been certainly different it's been held up to a different standard of uh rigor i don't know how else to say it um where do you differ i i have some guesses but i'd love to see how you answer that question yeah i mean so i conduct formal science and i don't think uh you know terrence if he were with us i don't think he would uh be insulted by the fact that he he would be complimented by the fact that he's not limited by the bounds of 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 normal science uh yeah yeah and so what does that mean it means you're you're not taking you're not having somebody blow gun a dmt up your nose in the jungle (laughs) well at least that's not what the studies are based upon (laughs) (laughs) have you done that confirm nor deny (laughs) have you been to the amazon no i haven't i haven't but um but yeah, like uh, I, I know one fellow that that shows that in his uh, he's more on the anthropological side and he shows this in his like, you know, uh, you know, photos of him with the whatever tribe in Peru or whatever, like having this like DMT snuff, like, you know, blown up his nose yeah. really hard. One Dude. of the differences between like, well, it's like the, the with Mc, I would say the science, what, what, what it means to do sort of formal science is you're. You're empir- it's empirically driven, um, meaning like you everything your the conclusions you come to come from what you observe from studies mm. um, or through and you got to be more careful of this through more casual observation of the of the world. I mean I mean the whole the whole field of astronomy is a science that for most of the history of astronomy was based on pure observation. So you can have a science based on observation and even prediction in the case of Halley's comment, one of the first, maybe the first a true prediction. It's like all our calculations tell us like we should see it now again. And lo and behold, it, it comes, but clearly you're not doing experiments where you're manip- at least until recently, I guess where you're manipulating things mm. in, in space, you know, in, in the field of astronomy. So, um, you know, research is based on, you know, either ob- very rigorous observation or ideally experimentation. Now here's the, the, the rub though. When you say like science is empirically informed and that, and that's what the difference is. Terrence would, would say, I'm guessing um, yeah, yeah. that 
his experience, like that is empirical information. Right. That, well, like, that's a, when he that's sees a, the elves, like that's. That's what Ramdas. So Ramdas, Richard Alpert, and Tim Leary ran into this. I know you know this. I'm saying mostly for the listeners. My favorite quote about that, though, is Tim Leary took the stance when the Harvard board was like, "This is ridiculous. You can't be taking LSD and call it science." And Tim was arguing that you can. And then Ramdas just conceded the point. He he was Richard at the time, and he just said, "You're right. I'm not collecting data. I am data." Like, I'm the data. Like, and he goes, and you may study me. And that isn't that, forgive me, Matt, if you get this all the time, but the psychedelic experience is what happens to the person who takes it. And I have to imagine one of the challenges is uh, reporting verbally on a state that's, I mean, almost consistently ineffable, right? I mean, isn't that the big question of maps and and your and your work yeah so it, it's intriguing because like one of the most extraordinary if not most extraordinary of states that one has in psychedelic experiences um is the, the so-called mystical experience and one of the 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 defining characteristics of it is that it's ineffable so exactly yeah. what you're saying so there's a paradox um of you know, trying to study something which is, you know, trying to describe something that is indescribable. Which means you, can't- you, ha- you have to send the scientist. I keep thinking of the movie Contact, which to me seems like an allegory for DMT, is you go into this thing and she goes into this place. And if you remember, uh, Jodie Foster's character goes to a place that's based on a drawing she drew when mm-hmm. she was eight that never made sense to me when I was a kid. But then I was like, oh, of course, because the mind is informed by her mind. It's like the merging of the great mind and her mind, or however you want to tell that story. And she says, do you remember when she goes into that alter- alternate dimension, she says, they should have sent a poet. And sometimes, like, that's the best researcher is you can you go, let's send someone who can calm themselves and is well-versed in metaphor, imagery, you know, and all that sort of stuff because they have the best chance, right? right? Which is what you know, um, um, Tim Leary and, and and Dick Alpert, later Ram Dass. That's the direction that they went, even when they when they were at Harvard early on, but even more so when they were booted out and they ended up. They had a whole path first. They were in Mexico. Eventually, they ended up. They were booted out of the country of Mexico, <laughs> and like they, yeah, which I is remember. hard to do. Like they're kicked yeah. out of the whole country, not just the university. That's really yeah. nothing to ante. That's and right. Ended up in Millbrook, New York, like some um, body who was impressed by Leary, some um, uh, rich person, basically. Oh, I inherited a castle. You want it to like your group to live in? So they were holed up there for a while, and they were. That was kind of their part of their gig there. It's like turning on the 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 movers and the shakers, the poets, the you know not just maybe movers and shakers isn't the the most the right term because it's not just like not wasn't I don't think they're going for the centers of power, but like the influence exactly what you're saying like the poets, the writers, the jazz musicians, the you know these are the people that have the ability to download at least a fraction. Right. Of what we're dealing with. Right. And so now I would say a key distinction that's that, that's good for science is that there probably is something to be said here. But for that person as the participant, not necessarily the scientist. So it's not that the scientist needs to be 
you know, the, the, the poet or the, although they could be, you know, but the person that's reporting on the experience. So, I, I mean, to the scientist. So, to the scientist. So we agree that it, it, I mean, I, I assumed we would agree that it's beneficial. You send somebody that can say, like I, I've watched some Comedy Central Tales from the Trip. I was just laughing to to Shane about this because I was complimenting how good his are because he'll say something like, you know, or I'll, Terrence will say like, I, I came to and I felt like I was encased inside of a mountain. Like there's a there's a sensation of density and darkness. It's dimly and indirectly lit with impossibly bright geometric patterns. Okay, thank you, Terrence. Some people smoke DMT and come back and go like, that was crazy. That, that oh, dude. Whoa, that was like crazy. And you're like, you are of no use to us. <laughs> like, yeah, we know it's impressive. But get, that. Like, yeah, what else? Get out of the way. Like, I really love and admire. Does does Maps have a good bench, like a deep bench of people that can reliably report on what ketamine was like? Do you have like your favorites, like your favorite datum? <laughs> well, the science hasn't gone there. I, I, well, not y- not yet, mm. so to speak. I mean, so there's shades of that. And, and I should say that MAPS is, uh, you know, they most of the work or really none of the research I've done over the years has been supported by MAPS, mainly because they're primarily, they, they fund the work with MDMA primarily. So oh, those I are see. good colleagues. And, you know, I correspond all the time with them and interact in different ways. But um, it, it's, you know, they haven't been the ones that have been, you know, overseeing or funding the research that I've done, although they, they've done a hell of a lot of great research, particularly moving, I mean, really principally moving MDMA ahead with, P, you know, for treatment of PTSD. And so I, I work mainly with I psilocybin, although that's going to be a, a, expanding soon. Um, well, forgive me on that. I, I think I did what a lot of people do. They see maps near your name and they go, the maps guy. So I apologize for oh, that. Oh, no problem. <laughs> and, and for good reason. I mean, maps are way, as as a funding organization, they're, you can't beat them. I, in terms yeah. of in terms of like putting themselves out there for the public, mm. many people assume that maps is funding all of the psychedelic research they've heard about because like Rick Dowlin <laughs> is such a wonderful uh, spokesman and such a delightful person, you know, for the, for the field in general. And he does speak well for the field in, in, in general in many ways, but um, mm-hmm. so it's a very understandable mistake, but about kind of the expert trip reporters, we haven't really <laughs> gotten there, although we've gone we have done studies in that domain. So our early research at Hopkins was based on people that specifically had some of the so-called healthy normal research. In other words, we weren't treating a disorder, but we were just like, what are the basic effects of a really high dose of psilocybin in a, in an optimized, you know, prepared, you know, not just, you know, given the way we know can just freak people out. Like if you don't prepare them enough, but like, if you do it the really right way that all the, going back clinically, you know, to the folks that really seem to know what they're talking about in those optimized ways. And so we thought those be- questions were best asked in people um, that didn't have psychedelic experience yet. Cause we wanted like kind of a, a fresh take on it, but mm. with people who were s- sort of experts at probing spiritual questions. So these were kind of seekers very broadly defined. Mm. So they had to have, you know, engaged in, in, in different forms of um, exploration of spiritual experience. They had to be, have history of involvement with spiritual communities of some, whether it's church, synagogue, 
um, you know, uh, any other normal uh, formal religious group or meditation group, you know, very, all of this very broadly defined. So it was those people. So in some sense, they were the, the expert, you know, introspectors at the, at that point. And we've done other work, like recently we've, we haven't published it yet, but we've done some work with religious professionals, a small study, but these are people who are, um, priests, rabbis, imams, uh, even uh, folks that mm. from various uh, a variety of, of, of religious traditions are religious leaders with the idea that, hey, many people do report spiritual, not everyone, but spiritual and oftentimes religious. Um, and that can be a, a gray, but you know, certainly overlapping area, relig- oftentimes religious experiences. And so, gosh, what are people that are you know, professionals in that area, you know, yeah. what do they have to say about it? That was part of the, the question. And we've what done other they, things. What did they say, Matt? I so can't blow past that. finished with the formal, all of the analyses yet, but I had to say, you know, based you know, anecdotally, it's certainly, they were impressed. <laughs> and they, by and large, did feel that this was a genuine experience. I think that'll be, you know, because there's this big question about whether, you know, going back in the history of these substances, are these genuine mystical experiences? Is this really an, an encounter with the divine, or is this a mere, like, you, you know, is it a fool's gold? Well, isn't it comforting, or at least I find it comforting, because my whole thing, my whole psychedelic thing is, is this legit? Like, as someone who's yearning for spiritual connection constantly, you find this thing. And then you, your, your brain, your thinking mind comes in and goes like, well, I was on a drug. I, I, I wonder what you make of this. Like, I remember I was on um, LSD and I, I, I saw like a very classic sort of blue Hindu god. And I don't know enough about Hinduism to identify who it was. I don't want to mis, mislabel them. But then I in the trip, I was like, yeah, that's just in my mind. And the drug said back to me, basically, it said, well, what is your mind? Like, like Ramdas was very loose with that, too. He would say, I talk to my guru in my mind. And he goes, people say, that's your imagination. And I say, yeah, these are people that like see consciousness as a piece of a huge mystery that so much so that they almost respect their imagination or they, or saying it's not dismissive to say, well, that was just something in my mind that that doesn't solve anything or or stop the conversation for them. Yeah, it, because that's like in some sense, that's as real as it gets. It's all in our mind. Life. Is, I, do, yeah. I do recognize a danger there, though, because there are very there are things that we can independently observe outside of ourselves and that. You know, when you don't see confirmation, then you're suspicious. Then you're, you, you know, you're, you're subject to being hoodwinked. You're subject yes. to falling into very dangerous conspiracy theories. Some conspiracy theories are real, but like, you know, the bad ones. And that's yeah. you want yeah, to yeah. decide which are the good and the bad one. But, but, you know, so there is something to truth, to reality, or at least something close enough to truth or reality. Well, isn't that isn't that one but, of the great functions of science is that it calms us down? That's what I'm doing with my baby. I'm like, look, when we do this to this, when I pour water in a glass, the glass holds the water. I'm telling her like a DMT trip. I'm going, let me show you. I know it seems crazy here, but like there's reliable things. And then you go into your mind and it becomes wholly unreliable. <laughs> you know, right. and that's, like, these that's are what the scares rules. us. 
Yeah. And I, I, I mean, that was one of the most fascinating things about our raising our kid who's four now is just seeing that basically figuring out the rules of this universe. And, but then mm-hmm. get, you know, in the mind though, it's like, Oh, this is the rule. Like, hey, you drop that out of your crib and it's, it's going to go down, you know, mm-hmm. this thing, they don't mm-hmm. know yet, but gravity makes it do that. But Hey, in your dreams, yeah, not so much, maybe, yeah. maybe not, you know, but in the sense that, so it's this weird balance. And, and I think psychedelics are interesting because they put us in this interesting, awkward space in between these extremes and that's right think about it but like okay yes there is independent observation of things that are going on out there and we need to use that to not get hit by a mac truck and not Mm -hmm. get hoodwinked by a a politician or and to build a mac truck yeah and to build a mac truck it's like we went to the moon not based on like wishful thinking but by hardcore like engineering like a really solid understanding of of natural science in the material world on the other hand the the paradox is the more we know about the natural world which includes us and our perceptual and cognitive systems um the more we know about the natural world the more we know that everything we experience is some sort of distant reflection of whatever is out there in other words, we know at every possible level, we know that light, that, that color doesn't exist. Hmm. We know that as far as we know, wave, different wavelengths of electromagnetic radiation exist. And we interpret that as, col- as colors within a minute, a microscopic uh, width of that total bandwidth. And other hmm. animals like snakes will see another portion of it. They'll see more into the infrared. Just the, so they'll see heat, things right. hot, like be a color. Um and we can we we build all kinds of instruments that are sensitive, like that, that either put out or are sensitive can pick up on much broader aspects of that spectrum, like microwaves, radio waves, television waves, and then you know, sound. There is no sound. There's only vibration. Well, that's it, one of my favorite. Exists. That's you know? that's the Alan Watts thing. Is like everything is touch. He's like your ears, the the hairs and the and the little crystal in your ears touching. A wave, like you think you're hearing it, but your eyes are touching light. Like light touches your eyes, and that's how it's perceived. It's not like going out there; it's all sort of being perceived by this, right? And it's so it's all behavior, it's all contact. It's, it's whether contact. you're talking about like atoms or photons, it is all it it is all interaction. We don't know of anything that exists that's not moving. <laughs> if, it, if it's if it's so still. There's no vibration. We call that absolute zero or zero Kelvin's temperature, which theoretically doesn't exist because it's not possible. Um, I'm really glad you said that because I've been trying to write a joke where I go, um, the Big Bang Theory uh, is is, is a great theory, but it's so hard when you picture it. And I think most people do this. You picture blackness. And then boom, but blackness and empty space isn't nothing. Like you can't. That's space. Yeah. Like I, I'm trying. It's space. I, exactly. So I'm trying to get people to concede and not to humiliate them, but to invite them into the fact that nobody is outside of the conundrum. Nobody is outside of the mystery. Meaning if you believe in nothing and that erupted into everything, um, I, again, not to humiliate. I'm just saying, you believe in nothing? We have no proof of nothing. Is is that a fair statement to say oh, that we... Oh, absolutely. Well, I have to tell you, like this, 
this reminds me of another favorite Terrence McKenna quote talking about the Big Bang. He was like, you know, again, critiquing science where I think he's often justified saying, folks, scientists, what have you believe they're they're going to have you believe in, in the uh, they don't want you to believe in miracles. But the biggest question of all where it all came from. They say, well, afford us one miracle. And it's, <laughs> it is the most preposterous, unbelievable miracle you could ever ask for. Yes. Everything that exists came out of nothing for no reason. Yes. That, <laughs> Matt, like, I'm not. It literally is the biggest miracle you could ever imagine. I feel so seen because a lot of my stand-up comes from hearing something like that and saying, or something Ramdas taught me and being like, I'm going to amplify this. I'm going to put it in my own words and try and get people laughing about this. Because one of the weird things about spiritual teachers, I've seen this in the community, is they don't, uh, comedians are very precious. Like, that's my idea. That's my premise. But if Terrence teaches me there's no such thing as nothing, and that blows my mind, I'm like, well, I'm going to take those musical notes and play them in a different genre. And I feel okay doing that as, as long as I change it a hundred percent and don't say it the same way. Mm-hmm. But the essence of what he's saying, I heard that talk and wrote, started jotting notes on that bit. So can I, nothing doesn't exist, right? I mean, nothing doesn't exist. As far as we, yeah. I mean, and now caveat, I'm a, I'm an experimental psychologist, not a physicist. Right. I understand, but, but we're, but, but I'm, I'm into all of this stuff. <laughs> as far as I know, like, yeah, we don't. And then, you know, even that's up for debate about what, you know, you know, what was before, you know, and then the, get into like, you know, asking what before was before the big bang is the wrong question. Cause that's assumed there was time, like time didn't start until the big bang. So there was no before. Well, that's, that's my other mind breaks. That's my other bit. It wasn't big because nothing existed to be in relation to it. It was just, and it was also, this is very Zen. It wasn't a bang. I know it was because it was an explosion, but if there's nothing there to hear it and differentiate silence and bang, you know what I'm saying? It just was what is. It just was happening until a human ape stands up and starts looking at the evidence of the radiation of an explosion however many billion years ago. You go, wow, that must have been big. <laughs> like that. It took right. us. And the theory is for us. So that's fair. So again, it's it's really just to say like what Terrence says all the time is like, I know it seems like there's science and then there's woo-woo. But like we're all in the woo-woo soup. We're right. all and and that's a great thing to say. Like you don't have to believe in a, in astrology, but like you and Terence makes this point. You shouldn't make fun of people that believe in astrology because you believe in the Big Bang theory. Like everybody's just sort of working with what they're working with, making the yeah. best of a weird situation. Yeah, and you're all you're all we're all trying to figure out like what what fits our model and what doesn't. It's almost like, oh gosh, is everything about Terrence McKenna because it's make me think like what something Terrence McKenna said about it's yeah. like culture as operating systems. And it's like yeah. some operating systems support UFOs, others don't. It's like, <laughs> you know, postmodernism two point one, you know, like yes. you know, like and, and now look at that, though. Now our operating system does allow for exactly. UFOs. And you know what else he says? He says psychedelics are a medium. Uh, they're a media, meaning print is a media, news is a media, podcasts are a media, and psychedelics download information to you. They transmit a message. So they are a media. And just like all media creates culture, psychedelic can change culture and often leans more towards like 
there might be UFOs or aliens or other intelligences, or maybe the cosmos is conscious, which, by the way, science is also positing. I mean, it just here's a tool concert and everybody's saying, I think the con- the universe is conscious. And here's a scientific, rigorous, stiff, square jawed, white jacketed, clipboard holding scientists saying like, I think it might, let's look at that. I think it might be a conscious thing. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. Right. And you get, and it's, it's interesting because sometimes in the, in the middle of science, so you have like the physicists over here and like you, you're, I'm an experimental psychologist. You see a lot of psychologists are more, def- are, are less open um, <laughs> to things that might be at the extremes. And, and I, I'm very skeptical. We're all a mix of skeptical and open, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like, it's hard to say where the right, it's, it's an individual question where you want to hold yourself. But like, um, you know, oftentimes you'll get folks and I had to say psychiatrist and I'm not a psychiatrist. Psychiatrists seem to be the most defensive because like the most kind of closed yeah there's always exceptions okay meaning offendable like they can be offended yeah and just rejecting things out of hand like just being you get a sense that they're just really have a history of being reinforced for like playing the skeptic no matter what to the degree that it's not even credible like and i've seen some of that with our psychedelic work and it's come along and again there's always great you know great exceptions but Mm. it's almost like the, the 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 psychiatrist's are within the within the field of medicine so those are you know physicians you know mds and they get shit on for being like not real doctors within the physicians soft science so, so they yeah soft within medicine <laughs> and i'm holding up the air quotes you know yeah. and, and again as a psychologist which is not a physician it's not medicine but it's it, it's it's an actual science um uh you know of, of the mind or behavior and but but psychiatrists will shit on psychologists for being too soft because it, it's it's like they're it, it's rolling downhill. Yeah, of you, course. You need to pass the buck somewhere. On. Yeah. Right. So they put like, no, we're not the weirdos. These psychologists. You see this with every uh, I'm from Boston. So you have the Irish and they're being oppressed. And then another minority comes in and then you'd think the Irish would be sympathetic to them. I'm but saying no, this as an Irish. No, they, they can't wait for another group to fill in the void and go, great. Now we'll put you down and we'll lift ourselves up, which is so fucked. If you're you were just being oppressed, you'd think you'd be the least likely to oppress. But the way, dude. I was the heaviest kid in my eighth grade class and then in eighth in seventh grade and in eighth grade, a slightly not even heavier. He was just slightly soft boy came in. I couldn't wait to make fun of him because that's all everyone had done to me. So I am also like this. I am also an idiot. It's 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 an idiotic pain transfer that you're just like, now I can be the alpha. The kid was skinnier than I was. It made no sense. It also just made no sense in the sense of compassion or any of the higher human virtues. But I was in seventh grade. It's okay. Yeah. And we, and, and many of us are, are still doing it. And I think we probably all do it to a degree, you know, sure. like, you know, but we're all apes. Like we're all just apes, social apes that are kind of social apes that are looking for the pecking order. And you're like, oh, oh, thank God there's, uh, again, this isn't me speaking, but someone might be like, oh, thank God there's a woman here. I can be superior to this woman. Like you right. see. At it. least there's like a woman I can be yeah. better than. Yeah. Or there's a short, or there's a short man, a short oh, bald man. Even better. Thank yeah. God. Now I know where I am. Apes, fucking apes. We're apes. And we need to, I mean, we're back to McKenna, stoned ape. The, the leap, <laughs> the leap that we've made because of psychedelics has been. 
I mean, I, I, I can't say because of psychedelics, but it seems like something has helped us along. Let's put it this way. When I've taken psychedelics, that helps me become aware to these unconscious programs that seem to be running, like the one we're talking about, like this need to scapegoat, this need to uh, produce a false hierarchy to like bolster myself. Awareness of ego came from study, first and foremost, but it was certainly reinforced from uh, psilocybin. Is that, yeah, talk about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of people say this, and I think there is some truth. To, so here's the interesting thing to me. Um, really figuring out this area, like what one or trying to figure out this area, like do psychedelics inherently have a positive effect? And that might just be so such a gross way of asking the question that it's, you know, that's the problem. Maybe it's meaningless, but you know, we know that psychedelics do cause like they can cause delusions. They can push some people over the edge and not just people. We kind of know, a little more strongly that like, yeah, people dealing with schizophrenia, they could be made worse and unstable, you know, made destabilized and things like, but even people with like more, the science hasn't caught up with this, but I've known plenty of people that have like, you're just impressions. Like they've taken too many psychedelics and it's not just that they're into weird shit. Cause that's, that's kind of fine at one level, but you get some narcissists that are really into psychedelics and taking a lot of psychedelics. And your sense is it's not coincidence that it's probably made things worse. So, (laughs) but there are many people that claim that it's been, that it's, it's made them, it's made them less self-focused. And I think there's a danger and and there was an, you know, too much in the sixties with, enlightenment and a focus on this because like who's ever been enlightened as a state that you get to and you're like it's just all about to me moment to moment the the, the better you can be at this moment the better the, the the more generous the more kind the more kind of uh well you know, where sensitive. else would enlighten where else would enlightenment be it's it's just a concept outside of the moment so you're, you're right at- there is no future you know it's like there's this whole idea of like we attaining sort of a a, like a position in heaven that we stick on to. And like, I don't know. I think that's a, there's a lot of danger there, but a, you know, that's a digression. A lot of people have claimed that psychedelics have really helped them be better human beings. Mm-hmm. And and I've done research. I've done survey work. I've done a lot of work in the lab where we see under like really, you know, careful conditions where we shape things in the right way and provide the support. And we screen people out that things might, you know, go haywire. Um, it t- it tends to look really really positive for people, and we in in lots of surveys, plenty of people, most people taking psychedelics just for fun or for exploration. But there's lots of people out there that said, yeah, they took LSD for fun, and they realized like, why the hell am I smoking cigarettes? And they quit smoking for the rest of their lives, like 20 years ago, because they were just on acid for fun, and yeah. they had this like therapeutic breakthrough. Well, or- I I told you I stopped drinking for three months without trying. I know it's only three months. But I never made a decision. I just was like, oh, what, what am I doing? I just stopped. And that that's completely consistent with the type of reports that we get. And we, we've gotten reports like this for all sorts of drugs. And there's other stories of, of just everything um, from, you know, better family relationships to, um, you know, people being better, you know, parents to, um, oh, gosh. And then I, I've helped with some research that suggests that that people that have used psychedelics in their lifetime, they're, if they're on parole, they're less likely to um, engage in recidivism. In other words, 
to engage in subsequent qu- crime and get, mm-hmm. you know, go back to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, something but that recib- Tim Mary did recidivism. Yeah, I remember. And recidivism, recib- I can't say it. I know that's a tough one. Recidivism. But if you can say it, you should say it. That's a good word. Recidivism. 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 Got it. Um, yes, but I want to circle back to what you just said because, again, do you know Shane Moss? No. He's incredible. He's uh, he's a real. He's done DMT a hundred times. Like, uh, not that that alone is like worthy of a medal, but like he's very. <laughs> he's a great reporter on it. Like he he's given and he's. I think he might be like you, and that he says he goes and he has huge arguments with it. Meaning he doesn't go in passive. He goes in and something says I'm God, and he goes, No, you're not. You're just something in my mind. And the things get upset. Like they, and they try to tantalize him with impossible, like here's, here's 50,000 lives, like human lives. Like I'm showing them to you simultaneously. And then he goes, you always do this. I ask you a direct question and you just try to amaze me, but I'm telling you that you're not God. Like he's like, Indiana Jones. I don't know who, what he's like. He's so he's super fun. And we were talking specifically about something you just mentioned, which was like when you mix uh, psychedelics with he, his idea was dabs, which is like a lot, a lot, a lot of weed, like a huge amount of weed, Uh not just like smoking weed all the time, but huge, like heroic, I guess if it's heroism, huge doses of weed. And he's like, he thinks that's where you get a lot of the paranoid, narcissist um and you mentioned bad conspiracy theories but you get like the nothing is real people uh that like right what ramdas would say is they brought their ego with them to the kingdom of heaven Uh, that they they brought matt johnson to the right hand of god and that leads to a psychic psychic break like a psychotic break even and you come back and you become like a deeply unpleasant person and that's what's so nice about having shane and you on is like but i'm glad that you mentioned it it's not like ramdas put it this way he said a lot of the bad tripping has to do with the fact that people are reading if psychedelics are opening a spiritual book like a a text of mysteries people are jumping to chapter 12 like they're taking a huge hit of something and they jump to chapter 12 they don't know anything about uh, the true self and the false self. They don't know about ego. They don't know about awareness. Or, they have no context for it whatsoever. So it leads to like, it's like a bad idea to jump into the middle of the ocean. Right. It's like like practicing law with just your common sense. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, cutting it, dude. Like, you know, ass hand it to you. Like, and I don't know anything about law. You know, like, yeah. Yeah, you know, or yeah, practicing surgery with just yeah, yeah, you know, get the bad thing out, catfish, but like you know, yeah, 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 yeah. So That's... maybe it's enough to get you in trouble, um, right? So there is something to me about study, and you do a lot of this studying psychedelics. You said optimize. There's ways to like prepare and optimize. For me, a huge part, and this is McKenna again. He goes, if you're going to take uh, psilocybin or DMT or whatever, he goes, polish your mantras and your yantras and get your breathing techniques ready 
because they actually work there, is what he says. Because he he was a huge skeptic. He's not chanting Hare Krishna here. But when he would go on a big trip, he would start doing whatever, he'd chant whatever, and he would see it make a huge difference. Uh, And that's just... I can attest to that. Like you have to watch your breathing. You need to watch your mind. You need to, the, the, I don't know what you guys teach, but like the mantra, yes, thank you. No matter what's happening saying yes. Tara Brock just did the podcast and she said, Mm. if an angry dog is running at you, whistle for it. It's like aggressive yesing with the full confidence that you'll come back. Uh, What, what is that? What does that give you? Yeah, I think that's that's uh, that's absolutely right. It it seems that you know, and gosh, I love you know Terrence McKenna had such a, a a great way of putting things. I think he's right. Like so much, so many of these techniques they actually work under. Psychedelics. In fact, our work we did also did work with meditate two studies with med with meditation. One with novice meditators, but one with um long term meditators. Like, what do they have to say about this? this mm, one mm. of those special. Um, populations to to introspect about it but and and a common theme that came up is like oh like this is like this is where you're trying to get like this is like there's Mm. no met and we even just have like have to meditate on the psychedelic uh, on psilocybin and they're like well there's no need like when you're there you're there right you don't need to buy you don't need to buy a bus to detroit when you're in detroit yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. It's yeah. like you're sitting there in downtown Detroit, and it's like, all right, let's keep getting on this bus. And it's like, <laughs> dude, like here, here we are. Like, right. Um, just so, and that's I, I, go ahead. Yeah, I, it does, but it does seem like when 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 someone's having difficulty in those areas, things that 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 normally, yeah, you know, like they can work, like watching your breathing, yeah, in in everyday reality, and and the use of 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 sayings or, or mantras, you know, they can work, but they, they're supercharged in a psychedelic state, you know? So we, in our research, we use one, a uh, trust, let go and be open. Trust, and that sort of covers. Yeah. Like, because all like the formula, it, it doesn't matter whether it's a, a vision in your mind's eye of, of, of a monster or demon about to devour you. It doesn't matter whether it's, you know, your entire, like who you are, you think you're going to die or you're going permanently insane or whether it's like this like profound regret over something from your past, um, like any flavor of the bad trip, um, mm. trust, let go, be open, like experience mm. it, like mm-hmm. let yourself die, let yourself, you know, and I'll tell people out there when you're in a safe environment, like some places out there, like you can die if you're tripping hard at a concert and you've wandered into the parking lot. Like, yeah, you could get hit by a car. Like, yeah, yeah. You can get sexually assaulted, all of these things. But, you know, in this context where you're physically kept safe, yeah, let yourself die. Let yourself. Somebody's watching you. Yeah. Yeah, Knowing that they're not going to truly let you do something crazy, like jump out a window or whatever, but like, let yourself lose your mind. Let yourself explode. Let yourself um, be devoured uh, and, and look the, the monster devouring you in the eye and, and, you know, ask them like, what are, you know, what are you doing here? Like yeah. we're talking, you can eat me, but we're going to have a chat first. Or you Matt, can hear me going down to like, we're going to talk Turkey. This is good spiritual practice. Just in general, Val, my wife is, is a mindfulness teacher and it works a lot in embodiment. And we do this with our feelings. You have a feeling 
that is like a monster. It, it manifests in your in a back pain, in a neck pain, in a headache, or some irrepressible urge to eat an entire pizza. And it's like, instead of just letting it have its way with you, asking it to tea, which is what Alan Watts would say, or Rambos yes. would say, sit down with it and say, remember in Nightmare on Elm Street, the only way to get rid of Freddy Krueger was to face him? Yeah. Like, because... In the reality, I guess, of Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy has an unconscious desire to connect with his host, I guess. If, if you're looking at him as a metaphor for the unconscious, I guess. Uh, this, this is just me shooting from the hip. What I mean is my anxiety, my fear, my rage, my depression, my blind horniness, my blind pizza hunger, whatever it might be, is a valid and dignified part of me, and it's trying to get in touch with ground control. It wants to talk to the commander-in-chief. And by me hitting it with a stick and saying, don't don't be horny, don't want to eat a pizza, don't want to whatever it might be, um, it's just, I, I've heard it said it's like treating your kid that way. It just leads to more rambunctious behavior. But it's very confusing to it when you say... I love you. What do you want? Like, what do you need from me? I am running the show, but you're, my unconscious is as valid as a part of my mind as my conscious is. In fact, in a lot of ways, because it's not interested in dressing up and playing pretend, it's more valid. It's more beautiful. Right. It's more and it's powerful. Gonna get its way. And it's going to get its way yeah. Yeah. regardless. So let's just talk. Come to the table with the scary mafia that is your unconscious and say, are you going to keep making me self-sabotage my job until I admit that I, you know, whatever the weird unconscious example would be here? I always say I'm in love with my mother. Like, what do you need me to concede so I can hold a job at Coffee Bean? Like, what do you need from me? And that's yeah. – that's I'm so what I'm saying, I'm just complimenting your advice for psychedelics. Usually good advice for a psychedelic state is good advice – for the real world, it's like, can you trust, let go, and be open? That's literally spiritual surrender. That's non-resistance. That's Taoism. That's mystical Christianity. It's 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 right yeah. there. And you get to yeah. learn it on a party drug? I don't think it's a party drug. I, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's so wild. many people say, and you don't, I want to make it clear, it's not reliable, even at a high dose in this right setting. Um it's not every time. And sometimes people don't get what I call the full Monty, you know, like this, just what I call it, what you will, the mystical experience, beatific vision, the, these deep philosophical lessons that have been repeated across like a variety of traditions that, mm. you, you know, that, that. There it was though, written fresh for you. Here's the, the Tao Te Ching for you. <laughs> right. I mean, I remember. But they don't always get that. Right. And I remember a philosopher that one of my favorite examples, he's like, I mean, he was, he wasn't, we weren't, we didn't have him because he's another one of these potential experts that's really interesting to have in the study, but he was just in a healthy, normal study, you know, um, that, that, you know, you didn't need to be a philosopher, but you know, he was a really interesting um, participant. And he was like, on his high dose session, like, he's like, this is Hegel's opposites, the dialectics literally defining each other. That's everything. Mm. opposites absolutely there is no like you know the, the love without hate there's no we always say there's no forward but, without behind you right yeah. like there is no like and he was just getting it at such a profound level and he's like my god i've taught this for years 
Yeah. Like I but finally he, get it. Like he I became really it. Get it. He became it. He right? became it. Like yeah. and understood. Like that's at the heart of reality. Yeah. This this whole dividing things up and categorizing things. It's like these. It you know light defines dark and vice versa. Like anyway, it really hit home for him. And so yeah, you do see these like um these you know people getting these um you know often these these lessons that that have been recounted over and over again and it does seem like there's this um again not always but this it's it's remarkable that people have these experiences where they'll they'll say that this was like like you were saying pete this is like life and and, okay i forgot a thread i was I, i lost earlier it's like sometimes in these full Monty sessions, they will say exactly what you said. Like, this is a model of life. Mm. Like, like it's like biofeedback. It's like, my God, I can feel myself when I'm letting go. It goes away. My problems go away. It's Mm -hmm. so obvious. I'm creating my own suffering. It's so obvious. (laughs) Obsessing over the cancer is making this, it's more cancer than the, it's more, suffering than the cancer itself at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like my choosing to react to it. And it's like this biofeedback and this lesson that like, that's, it's everything. Like yeah. this is reality. We can choose to just say, no, it's not supposed to be like this. And I can't, ch- you know, I just this refusal of, of acknowledging reality and working with reality you know, and, and yeah, so it's just like this biofeedback when you let go and it's like, I'm going to accept this. And, and it's, it's what I need. All I know is it's what I need to deal with right now. That's right. Like it's what I need. Life has given it to, and you can choose to, and people. So it is amazing. People say this, and I, I see that as amongst the most m- helpful types of sessions. And I, and it reminds me of something you mentioned earlier, but there's this guy, uh, Jacko Willenick, who, who, uh, he has this uh, th- this clip of him saying, "When you're when you're um, when you're stuck in life, when no matter what bad happens to you, like try to say, okay, you know, like thank you. I forget his exact saying, but like thank you. What now? How could good? No, that's what it is. Yeah. Good, you know. Good. I, I just lost a thousand dollars. Good. I'm going to learn something about how I deal with that situation. Yeah, Maybe yeah. How not to do it again. Good. You know, your dog died. I mean, you can get." into these horrific and and maybe it's not achievable. I mean, we all have limitations in all cases, but what can you like, Oh, wow. Here's a lesson and how to deal with life and death. And here's an opportunity for me to step up with this horrific lot, whether it's your dog or your mother or your, your wife, like this loved one you've lost to to like actually step up and be there for the other people who are suffering Mm. and, and to, I don't know, learn one of life's most important lessons and skate i'm i've jumped to the extreme example because that's like i don't think i could do it like in a as a shining example or you know but i'm just saying like like you could choose to look at life always from this i mean i experienced this gosh yesterday i found out i had to go send a certified letter at the post office and i was like i I feel like traumatized from like the last time (laughs) i went to the to the post office and the piece it's like why do we have to do this why are we still in 2021 having to go to the post office to do do this thing to get this little green card and like i got yelled at because like only six people in the lobby and it's on one sign with a million other signs so you don't see it and then you don't know if it's okay to go to the little desk um that's in the lobby (laughs) instead of the exterior area first 
And so I go and I get yelled at like a four-year-old to like get out and wait. And then it's awkward. Anyway, it was this whole thing. And then the lady yells at me that I didn't do it right. And it's like, it's a whole aversive thing of like, you know, this ex- just a stupid little experience. Go And I, yeah. and I was really in a, literally in a bad mood yesterday last, because I, I got the new, you know, I found out that this particular new thing, I have to go to the post office again, which mm-hmm. I did earlier today. And and uh and send a stupid certified letter you know right i i remember choosing to do this at one point and it wasn't immediate but like you know what this is going to be a thing like i'm going to figure out how to make this work it's going to be an opportunity to tackle to redo the certified letter thing how can i say yes to this and you know what if we were being really woo woo, we would say look you got another opportunity in fact you're going to keep getting these opportunities Byron Katie calls them like little alarm clocks that go off. Like, whoops, you you started to slip into unconsciousness again. Here's a little, a buzz, like a little, just to keep you remembering, to keep you conscious and go, how can I surrender to sending a certified letter at the post office? Yeah, like pop quiz again, you know, like you yeah, didn't pop. quite get it right. Here's another opportunity to polish it. And yeah. Like, and I was a little more thoughtful this time. I actually went to one that was just a 10 minute drive, another post office. Cause the one I, that is near my house is like really overwhelmed and the people are in a bad mood because of that. And like, yeah, yeah. and you know, so I went to one just 10 minutes away and they were like lovely and like the whole thing, just like that little decision. But even if I had gone to the same one, it's like, sure. okay, like you don't have to let it like, you know, you don't have to let it get you down. You can go through the motions and, and it really wasn't, it didn't like, put me in a bad i don't know it didn't it wasn't like i was like uh suffering afterwards but just the, the the idea it was really more the news that i had to do it again i was like oh god yeah yeah and the whole layer of like why do we need to even fool with mail anymore this is barbaric <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to a to a barbarian it would be the most modern civilized thing in the world oh, i yeah. love that i i see a lot there you know choosing well, the suffering, and you kind of said this in your example of uh, Mushroom Epiphany, the suffering being something that not only do we create, but we actually kind of crave, like we we want it, or I should say the ego wants it, because when you're suffering, it's not unclear that you're real. You know, what I mean? <laughs> like if you're suffering, if you're making a lot of noise, then you don't have to have like an existential dread that like you're vanishing. You know, you see this in a lot of old people who complain about everything. You see this in a lot of young people, by the way, too, that complain yeah. about everything. But I mean, like, it's kind of a, a classic trope to be the elderly person that's just miserable about everything. But really, it's, it could just be a way of clinging to being alive and relevant. I actually don't think that's a great choice. Uh, I don't mean alive in a good way. I just mean like I'm here, God damn it. Like, see me. This chair doesn't work for me. Like, you don't, at least you don't have to deal with like, am I vanishing? Which is kind of, I mean, we're talking about taking psychedelics and, and vanishing. It's funny, the more I think, I've never done DMT, but the more I think about it, uh, the more I realize that it's like preparing to completely surrender. It's like preparing to die or be open to dying. That's, this is what I, I, let me put it to you like this. When people tell me and they tell me all the time, I don't want to do psychedelics because I don't want to be out of control. Mm -hmm. I always say, if I'm feeling cheeky, I go, that doesn't get you off the hook because one day you'll die. And if you're like most people, you'll be aware that you're dying. So you'll have all of that like 
preamble of maybe being in a hospital or hospice or whatever, knowing just like a DMT trip that you're about to cannonball into the abyss. And I have it on a post-it note above my desk. It says we have to, we all have to trust God or the mystery when we die. So we should practice trusting now. Like, cause you're not off the hook. If you don't do this thing, you're still going to do it. Kind of. I mean, the link of DMT being released as you're dying, right? I mean, that's like a thing. You're still going to go into an unknown total surrender, whether it's you're getting a little shaky before you take three big inhales of DMT, that's just a death rehearsal. And and in the Greek mysteries, isn't that what it was? These were, they're taking psychedelics in catacombs to have a death trip. To, to, <laughs> right. It's a bad set and setting because oh, yeah. they realized they wanted to stare down the monster before they don't want when they die die before dying. They don't want when they die it to be the first time. And if I'm being honest, that's part of my interest in it too. I don't want my death to be the first time I'm like, what the fuck? Because like our Buddhist friends, I'd like to learn how to stay calm in a bardo in like that. Is it? And some would say that's the whole point. That the whole point of life is to not freak out in a bardo and just get kicked back to Earth. So you can actually, as Terrence would say, get in some sort of celestial car and drive to the next dimension because you've evolved. You're now a butterfly. (laughs) You were a caterpillar. Now you're a butterfly. What did that make you think of? Yeah, you know, I think it – and even if you don't – if you're not into bardos, it's like – it's. What you're saying is true. And even if, you know, there is some evidence about the DMT being released before death, but we don't really know if people are exactly undergoing a DMT. Anyway, it's an interesting category and that might be the case. But even if not, like, if you don't like being in control, like, good luck with life. You know? <laughs> not even the dying part. Like, and, and like, it's going to come, you know, like, right. Like, what about like when you're. When your daughter gets pregnant or like you're like, what, you know, or like, you know, you get in the car accident or like you're, I don't know, all of your retirement count, like is gone because the economy tanks or whatever, like it's, it's, it's out of your control and already. Right. And I really like, oh gosh, thinking of like Terrence McKenna, I, I, that's what he said. Like it's one of the beautiful things psychedelics tells people. It's like, cause no one's in control people. And he's like, you know, it's not the communists, it's not the Jews, it's not the Illuminati, all the conspiracy. It's no one. <laughs> no one's running the show. It's <laughs> scarier than any conspiracy yes. theory you bring to the table. Yes. Like, I, you know, there's no. Yeah. Yeah. I was just saying, I love that. I, I was talking to somebody, I've mentioned them a bunch, and they were talking about how they were an older comedian, and, and they're like, I'm just, I I can feel myself being forgotten, basically. And I was like, I said, I don't normally talk this way to people. I was like, you don't know this too shall pass? Because McKenna calls that the great message of psychedelics. He's like, this too shall pass. That's what it's screaming. It's all a bunch of, not in the, he actually has a a very hopeful and I would say hyper-spiritual understanding of the cosmos working itself out to uh, the Omega point, which, you know, Christians have Alpha Omega. We have the Big Bang. We have the Big Crunch, uh, meaning there's some unknown attractor that's pulling all of reality towards itself. 
to higher and higher states of, uh, he would say, novelty or complexity or perfection or understanding or consciousness. That's the same thing Eckhart Tolle would say. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and Terence is saying, look, I didn't want to believe this, but that's that's what I've been. That's what I've seen. Like I didn't believe it until I saw it. And I kind of lost my train of thought, but that I'm glad I got to say that. <laughs> yeah, you know, the whole idea, like, oh, no that this too control. shall pass. No one's in control, but not in the bad way. Like, we might all just be a bunch of skeletons having a cocktail party, but don't lose hope. You're, the fact that being is is this great comfort. That means that existence is yearning for itself. There's an appetite. To yeah. be and to explore and to evolve and to progress. And we see it in nature and we see it in ourselves and we see higher and higher degrees of connectivity with human beings. So it keeps moving, 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 moving mm-hmm. to further and further, still and more and more horrible ways. It's going, it's right. complexifying in the other direction. But like, you don't have to go like, I'm just a skeleton, so who fucking cares? You go like, this is just my little part of the great mystery and I don't have to be too attached to it, but I also can value it. It's a paradox. It's passing and it's the most precious thing in the world. It's the only thing going on. Yeah. And human beings are in this solar system. We're the only ones like this. We are the height of novelty. We are the height of complexity. We are inventing the next AI, the next technology, all of this new stuff, the psychedelic research. We are the cutting edge of evolution. So like people don't recognize you from your TV show from 30 years ago. Like (laughs) wake up. I said to him, I said, you got to take some LST. And I don't normally say that to people, but I was like, (laughs) it will tell you in my language and spiritual language that you're as St. Frank, St. Bonaventure maybe said, St. Augustine, I am who I am in God, nothing more, nothing less. To de-religify it, I am who I am in consciousness, in the mystery, in infinity, nothing more, nothing less. I am who I am, even less religious, in the big picture, nothing more, nothing less. I'm not a separate thing. I am a cog. I'm a molecule. I'm a cell in the great body that is the cosmos. You have a ticket to the big show. And 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 me going like, geez, that comedy set, they didn't laugh that hard. You are... You're already it, right? Am I preaching up your alley or is this wrong? Absolutely. I think about this a lot. And just like that, I mean, you had a really great way, Peter, of of expressing this idea. Like, like just the it's existence itself is this bursting forth of nothing for no reason. It's the it's the greatest miracle, the only miracle that's ever happened. Reality (laughs) itself is here. It keeps bursting forth. Who would have predicted? Even from the Big Bang and from the initial stars, like, you know, mm-hmm. people and brains and, you know, like octopus, octopus <laughs> and like, it's not going to stop. Like, and you're part of that. You are that. Yeah. You know? And this this completely unknown, like it is the bursting. Th- and actually, actually, it was that same philosopher that years ago was a participant said there's i think he said there's some french word for this like this bursting forth into the and i'm not gonna i don't know what the word is i don't know french yeah. but, but of, of bursting forth and he said it had something to do with the the with sex like the, with the the ejaculation i said that i've it, said it, that it before we're god's cum shot or we're the mysteries come shot meaning i know that's grotesque it's one of the reasons i don't say it on stage anymore because it gets lost in the vulgarity but right. it's true it's this propulsing <laughs> infinite 
expansion at that that desires itself like yeah, and who knows what's going to come out like like a person might come out of this yeah and that person might create within a few generations thousands of other people yes and that person might invent like something that saves millions of people right that person might be the most important even if they don't save millions of people that person might be the most important person for another person on yes. this planet that yes. they've ever met in their life yeah and all of that is coming from someone shooting their their wad <laughs> with, with, with someone that they love or maybe someone that they don't even love uh, you know what I mean? like a one-night stand that just things happen, that's right you know? that's right and that's just like reality like the, the the miracle and the mystery like continuing um you're the you and your being here is your ticket to the show like you're already at the show you already are the show right. you're the show and and it's all of this separateness which sometimes expresses itself as isolation but it also just as often or maybe not just as often but it can express itself as specialness either way specialness or isolation you're still separate and it seems like these these psychedelics and also just spirituality and also just thoughtfulness can lead to that that awakening to the interconnectivity of all things. Even if you don't deify it, you can go like, I am a part of this, of this. Yeah, It's this. Yeah. And I'm here. And I don't have to earn it. And I don't have to do anything. And, and I don't. I don't have to beat myself up and make my life worse by telling myself what a piece of shit I am. And and that's what when people really get into that space with the psychedelic session, or out in other cases, uh, like that, it, it's the Aldous Huxley called that the 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 what like uh, fortuitous grace. It's yes. just this like my God, like how could I have been upset with like the problems at work and with cer- like certain family? It's like. My God, I'm alive. Yeah. I I forgot. I've got people I love in this world. Like yeah. there are, you start to, you know, and then people that are suffering at these untold levels that you've never even touched upon. And you're yes. like, my God, I'm the <laughs> luckiest son of a bitch that's ever lived. That's and it. people are left with this. And it's like, that's the good stuff. It's like, hold on to that even a little bit, you know. That is the good stuff. Remind and- yourself. To your point, we don't need psychedelics to do that. And to your point, we don't always get that from psychedelics, but sometimes you do. Mm-hmm. And to me, it can be the the cement. The bricks are the the concepts, and the cement is like the wet, pliable, shifting stuff that holds it all together. It's these the, the experiential knowledge of those states is really valuable. In terms of like, and, and I wanted to ask you what you think about like this, like how do you cement that and i think that's where you're going with that like because one of the things that strikes me is like you know that that stuff never sticks and and it's part of what i was saying about enlightenment like i've never met an enlightened person i've heard interesting stories but like you know probably never going to come up you know across this type of you know like 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 ram das's you know guru it's like was he i'll probably never meet even if he was or like was not you know like you know like ram das like struggled with this like this getting these lessons like getting the lessons oh. of the of the ancients of like my god and then fall and then finding yourself pissed off that someone cut you off in traffic and you're yeah. like what what the hell well like and then there's a frustration yeah. with unable to like how can you 
it's easier said than done. And I think part of my answer is like some humility, cut yourself some slack, remind yourself, be wise in terms of how you set up your environment to, to like, just bring yourself more into those moments of that type of awareness as you can. But yeah. what are your thoughts on it? Cause that's to me, that's the big mystery. Like how do you make this valuable? You know, these well, lessons, cause we, uh, <laughs> as we're talking about these high and that we're such on the same wavelength here, I'm also going through my head is I I'm such a fraud. I get yeah. like, you know, like, and I'm not saying I, but just by even talking about this stuff, I'm thinking like, Oh, I get just as mad about like, of you course. know, I just, I find myself getting jealous of, you know, all of these things, you know, all of it. Well, I love what everything you said. Ramdas would say, what's going on here? If I know all this, I should be enlightened. That was, that was one of my favorite quotes of his. Cause he oh, would, good one. he would tell stories about getting to a talk like at a church or a synagogue or whatever. And they had the wrong kind of microphone stand and he'd get mad. He'd be like, I specifically asked for this kind of microphone. Like, and uh-huh. I, he wouldn't go into detail, but in my mind, that meant that he gave someone a talking to about why don't you have the microphone that I asked for? Um, and then he would always giggle after the fact and say, oh, my guru came to me in the form of a microphone. <laughs> Meaning that was the suffering I needed to go like, watch it, baby. Like you, you forgot again. Getting a little so, too big for your own britches. Like totally. Yeah, the mic right. For, yeah. And that's you. you know who I am. That's right. Yeah. And do you know who you are? Indeed. I uh-huh. mean, that's the question. So you, whoops, you thought you were Ramdas. You really believed it for a second. So <laughs> I, I'm with you, man, but we're talking about the way the universe works, even our bodies, the in-breath, the out-breath, the awake asleep, the way that our ecosystem works, sunrise, sunset, cloudy, rainy, it's all writ large around us that there's remembering and there's forgetting. And that's, and we, Val and I talk about this on the Friday episodes all the time, is that all, the best we can hope for, it seems, is that on the day that we die or some big thing comes our way or whatever, that that when it happens, we're in the remembering place. That's that's my right. hope. As opposed to the perma enlightenment state that, of course, we're all open to and hoping for or whatever, or maybe skeptical of, um, what I see is is a sine wave, just like everything, just like the sound waves that are going into this microphone and reaching your ears right now. So too is my spiritual journey. So too is everything. And it's not a flaw in the system. It's not like I know all that. If I know we're all connected, why am I, I did that. I'll give you an example. Val and I just went to breakfast and I looked at a guy next to me and I was like, what a like schlubby guy. Like I just like a shitty thought. Like I just went like, it's all projection. I'm like, am I schlubby? Do I look like him? So I find someone who kind of looks like me and I'm like, look at this embarrassing. But it takes 20,000 times longer to explain it than the thought actually lasted. I just went schlubby guy, schlubby guy right there. So yes, I am unconscious in these deep ways. The great, and I'd love to put this back to you. So many of the spiritual teachings say it's all grace, meaning it's an accident. It's a, it's a, or grace really just means a a gift that wasn't Mm -hmm. earned. Uh, There's no merit based. So, Obviously, Christianity and the writings of Paul are talking about it's all grace, it's all grace, it's all grace. Ram Dass was really big into the Guru's grace, talking about everything he got was from the Guru's grace. And then this is in um, Deep deep and Simple, which was Mr. Rogers' favorite book. There's a story about this where they go, 
a student says to the teacher, why, if, if enlightenment is grace, it's a gift. Because Byron Katie, who I, my worldview, my operating system says Byron Katie is an enlightened person. That's just, that's my operating system. Mm-hmm. She wasn't spiritual. She had a mental breakdown in an insane, not an insane asylum, as a recovery place. And she just snapped. And then she just became what all these books are pointing to. So it was grace. It was complete grace. Mm-hmm. So the student says to the teacher, if it's grace, why do we do all this meditating? Why do we do all this study? Why do we do kirtan? You and I could say, why are we doing psychedelics? Whatever, whatever might be your practice. Why are we doing it uh, if, if it's an accident? And the teacher said, we do it to become as accident prone as possible. <laughs> and I was like, I just love that. <laughs> we may be dogs exactly trying to understand yeah. the internet, but yeah. if I'm a dog trying to understand the internet, I'm going to hang out in an internet cafe as often as I can, even if it's never going to happen unless something as miraculous as a dog understanding of the internet happens, which means the dog had nothing to do with it. Something happened in this dog's brain or, or this dog's spirit or whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. How does that suit you? Yeah, that's uh yeah, that has a ring of truth to it. Um, you know, I also accidents happen because it's all an accident anyway, but the accident accidents can be wonderful. Yes. yes. Well, sort of like why engage with life. And I mean, engagement with life is, you could call that a spiritual practice. And so it's like putting that on rocket boosters. It's like, why interact with other people? Yeah. Why fall in love? You know, it's like, you know, it's the source of like better to have loved and lost than to have not loved. It's like, like, you know, you're saying, I've thought about this a lot about like when we, so, so our, our, our boys adopted and, and, you know, thinking a lot about being a parent, like knowing like how, like, wow, having a life form that like, like there's going to be untold suffering that this yeah, person is yeah. going to experience. And what, you know, if you're, if you're creating life, there's going to be untold suffering that wouldn't have existed had it not. And that person is going to fall in love and get their heart broken. That person is going to like, and there's nothing you can do. There's, there's nothing, nothing you can do. You're completely helpless. No one's in charge, but it's like, that's the whole point. That's, that's, that's everything. You know, you could stay inside. You, you could not expose yourself to any. Put him in a bubble. Put him in a bubble. Right. The bubble boy. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite movies. You know? It literally. <laughs> the bubble boy. Yeah. You would be giving him an inheritance of untold, subtle suffering by putting oh, him in yeah. a bubble. So there's no way out. And there's no way out for you or me. And this is what the great freedom of this too shall pass. People with death sentences, meaning a diagnosis or literally on death row, tend, not always, they have a chance to lighten up because what they thought was important just got pulverized. And then, I I mean, picture our idea of an enlightened person sending certified mail. They're just sort of, (laughs) they're just sort of giggling. Or, Matt... To put it in in our terms, picture it, you smoke DMT. You know you smoke DMT, and you are in a post office sending a certified letter. How, <laughs> how fascinated would you be if you knew that that post office wasn't real, that everything was a projection of your mind, or you could say it was an alternate reality or something, or an alternate hallucination, what's the difference? You would in that asinine, boring situation, become enraptured. And I think that might be what enlightened oh, yeah. people are doing, is they're going, 
I say it all the time, but Jesus says, a faithless generation asks for a sign. What does he mean? He means this. This is fucking, this is a DMT trip. Yeah, the kingdom this of is, heaven is before you. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. Your certified letter story is a three-dimensional, <laughs> tactile, inhalable, tasteable, frustratable, angryable hallucination. And when you wake up to it, this is why I love studying about DMT. Even though I haven't smoked it, I feel like I already benefit. Because as I think about potentially doing it, I go, Pete, what if you already did and this is the trip you're having? <laughs> you know what I mean? And that thought experiment imbues this moment with better resolution, more space, more laughter, more light, more wonder, more joy. It can also be a little bit slippery and shaky, but that's really what I'm a, what I'm after. When I'm giving my daughter a bath and I go, what if this is the DMT trip? I love that stuff. That scares the hell out of some people, but I go, if I at the in the middle of this interview pull out of a DMT trip and I'm surrounded by my friends, <laughs> That is, on one hand, scary and slippery, but it's also like, holy fucking shit, what a miracle. We don't know what's going on here. And I like that feeling. I, I, oh, yeah. I, I, and it seems like you do, too. I mean, we're both smiling big. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> I, I tell you one thing, it would be great to, if in, I had to put, point out, like, I'd never tell anyone to use drugs, whether it's caffeine or DMT. So don't, I don't encourage <laughs> yes, anything. Yes, I just, yes. But I love to learn about what people have learned from whatever experience. So, if you ever do do DMT, yeah. I would love to hear about <laughs> I'll call you. Plenty of people who have done psychedelics will say, like, this is, it's another level. You know, yeah. and if they get the three big inhalations in, and, and people do say there's a something called the glass vapor genie that can get it, can get that sort of breakthrough dose from one inhalation. So there's really, you can nerd out online for, countless hundreds of hours on how to smoke dmt most efficiently to get because some people just can't do it because they start hacking up after well the that's my fear order. that's my that's but a but, fear. but um and i've heard everything from like uh yeah spraying chloroseptic into one's mouth to to reduce the odds that they're gonna like cough up and having really? the right length of tube so that the the dmt is not too hot when they inhale it again don't recommend anything i'm just yeah saying. yeah, yeah. I learned a lot about how but glass vapor genie that's a type of pipe or something yeah 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 that people you, it's actually a, a vaporizer that was primarily created for cannabis but that people have figured out it's really efficient at vaporizing dmt but then uh -huh. there's the classic sort of like there's a lot of ways to smoke dmt but one of the classic ways is sort of the glass pipe where it's heated underneath um which is essentially how people smoke methamphetamine which makes it and then another major way is like how people smoke crack so these are all yeah. like glamorous sort of comparisons here but yeah yeah, yeah. um but but I, I talked to somebody that, and that's what like stop them like something about the crackiness of it right, was a mental right. block to to do it yeah i understand that but these are just you know like in different technologies and again i don't recommend anything but just different technologies it's different than the way people and it can be smoked like people smoke tobacco or cannabis in the sense of drawing a flame through a medium it's a it's harder for people to get the three big hits that way because they're inhaling another substance they have to smoke it with something like cannabis or an inert material, but it could be packed in the middle of, but the, you know, the, the ways that people reported being more efficient are, you know, using the glass pipe or using something like the vapor genie. But, um, 
don't what? know how I got. I, I got lost into a didactic on how to smoke D. Are you kidding? I, I wrote down experience. how to optimize because all of this psyching up of myself, if it led to me just not being able to do it, would be a huge disappointment. Well, if, people do say that like it's it, it's another level and it's completely indescribable, yeah. even if someone has had psychedelic experience. I don't. I don't intend if I do do it that my psychedelic experience would give me anything, nor my research. I was just saying this to Val. I was like, I don't think you're going to smoke if if you smoke DMT, you're going to be like, I'm so glad. I watched all those Terrence McKenna videos. I don't know. I could be wrong. He has this great line where he goes, uh, you bring all your groceries with you, meaning you're there. Like you get transported to another reality and your body is there and your brain is there. And you're just surrounded by entities inside of a hollowed out volcano. And they're showing you impossible objects any one of which, if you brought it back to the world, would, without saying anything, change reality forever. He, his, his great quote is, he goes, the only risk is death by astonishment. He's like, if that's the only thing you should be worried about. Right. Because like, you'll be grabbing your chest and your heart's beating because you're so excited. And they're so excited that you're there. Have You've never done it? Or is this something well, that is I say this gets into the area where I had to be the politician. So I, 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 I just don't discuss whether or whether or not I have used any scheduled compound. Because, I see. Uh, well, if I said I had, half the people would say you're completely biased. You shouldn't be doing this research. Um, you know, like you're just an evangelist. You're like, you know, but. The uh, and if I said I had never taken one of these compounds, like the other half of the people would say, yeah. "Oh my God, you're completely unethical! How could you do this to people?" Well, it's okay. You're, it's you're like no win situation. Your facial hair definitely says you're open to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, what about let me, the shirt? Like, and the shirt the says uh, the shirt removes any ambiguity. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you a question. Then the Terrence asks DMT. Uh, is the the door in the floor, it, meaning it's this experience that people have. And I'm quoting Terrence. Again, n- neither of us have done it. But like T- Terrence says there should be four-inch headlines of this. It's like it's the yeah. only thing he's done that delivered on what he thought it would be. He says it's more um, astonishing than seeing Atlantis rise up from the ocean or a UFO land on the White House lawn. I think we said, are yeah. both big fans. He's like, it's more <laughs> astonishing than either of those examples. And he goes, and yet there's no church dedicated to DMT. He's like, there, from what he can tell, it, I believe the Soma in the ancient uh, Indian scriptures was probably psilocybin or. Anita Muscaria, am I saying that right? There's theory, yeah, 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 yeah. Amanita Muscaria. Amanita There's Muscaria. theories of both and cannabis and ephedra and mixtures of the above said things. But not DMT. Over time. I don't. Yeah, I don't know that there's a theory of that, but we knew we we, we learn. Uh, gosh, over the and really accelerated since the '60s. Like we just learn, uh, like every you know, like. Uh, at one point every year, like about new plants that contain DMT. Like there's, I, I think right. someone, oh gosh, was this, 
and might have been in Jonathan Ott or or perhaps Sasha Shulgin's. One of them wrote it in a book. It would be easier at this point to list the plants that don't contain DMT than well, the plants that do contain DMT. Right. So, like, who knows? Um, so his question is, why? Why? How do you? If I tell you, open this trap door, and you will go into hyperspace, and alien intelligences will download information to you. They will reveal, like Shane said, 40,000 past lives sent through you simultaneously. You can, uh, if you'd like to know the meaning of life, we'll happily tell it to you, whether or not you can retain it. And bring. Shane had a trip where he said, reality is these two impossible mathematical equations brought together. And every time there's a remainder a universe is born to work out the remainder. And like, that's kind of as close as we get that fun lava lamp feeling going like, wow, that feels right. Like it feels like it's resolving itself, like towards some sort of Omega point. Like it's, it's answering itself. So that feels kind of right. Uh, Why? Okay. So what I'm saying is if there was a door in my floor and I took you and you opened it and you had that experience and then we gave it to 500 other people. And when they open the door in the floor, they don't have the same experience, but they have a similar experience. Yeah. It's going to be really intense. It's going to be really intense. I had a friend and, and smoke why it. don't more people open that door? Or, or why are they not at least curious about opening that door? Why is Red Bull a phenomenon <laughs> and not a – and again, I'm not recommending anyone do it. But it is, McKenna says that like our brains know what to do with DMT. It's similar to serotonin. It's not like, he says, you'll probably know this quote, because if you smoke something and three days later you wake up in a hot bath and you haven't answered a phone call in three days, don't take that drug because your body didn't know what to do with it. It it took you out of the game. DMT goes through you in eight to 12 minutes. And he says, this is evidence that we know how to metabolize it. It goes, oh, here's this. Let's do it. And then we'll be done with it. And then afterwards, you're so sober. I mean, 10 minutes after you're so sober. He says, you could schedule meetings. You could like, you could, uh, again, my friend who did it 20 minutes afterwards, it's like completely done. My friend did it. And he had never done anything hard like that. He said he witnessed the birth of his children again because it asked him, what would you like to do? And he said, I'd like to see the birth of my child again. And he went and watched it again. And he was like, I was there. I watched it again. And then he said, 10 minutes later, I could have driven home. It was insane. So if, if it were a door in the floor, like the biggest ball of yarn in Idaho, I would have a line Round the block, meaning it's not going to damage you. It's not going to hurt you. You're not going to get cancer. It's not going to kill you. It might uh, be overwhelming. It, it, it's kind of scary. I'm telling you that I'm sort of scared of doing mm-hmm. it uh, in the way that I'm scared of jumping into the ocean if it's choppy. I mean, like I have a reverence for it. But if it were a physical door, but it happens to be three inhales of a, of a, of a plant, basically, of a, of a reduction of a plant. Right. Um, where are the four inch headlines? Where are the religions? Where I know there's like a great Reddit and there's this podcast and there's Joe Rogan and there's Alex Gray and there's Brian. Uh, yeah, there's a pretty nice psychedelic renaissance going on, but what is blocking the, the four inch headline? It's gosh, I have a few ideas and some of them <laughs> come from, you know, just like Terrence McKenna. Like I, I, 
you know, it's like the, the astonish, like some people you describe this and they're just going to be ter- Like if they really take you seriously, they're going to be terrified for good reason. Like mm. it can, it's, it may be the most intense experience of your life. Um, yeah. And even for someone who's taken a big psych, like psilocybin or LSD trip, you can tell that person, this might be the most intense experience of your life by far, even above those things. Like that's enough to scare a lot of people off, including people that take you seriously for a whole other group of people. Um, everything you just described, Pete, they might just think like, you're just insane. Like you've been <laughs> sucked into this like delusion. Like what the fuck? Like you're like, you're talking about holes in the floor to other reality. Like, why would I want to get, you're basically describing going crazy. Would you like to go crazy and believe in this weird stuff that I believe in? Would you like mm-hmm. to believe in elves and other dimensions or would you like to be a, a, a normal person? There's a lot of people that say, <laughs> I, I'll be the normal person. I'll take the no elf, you know, um, operating system for my brain. Thank you very much. You yeah, know, so, yeah. and, so, and, and for other people who are neither too terrified to do it, nor, you know, are they afraid of the operating system with with the um, with the elf upgrades? Um, there's going to be a whole other group of people that um, it's it's hard to inhale it. Like yeah. it's this whole thing of like the three big hits. And like I said, there's people that are obsessed on like how to get this. Down. And there's now DMT vape pens. So that's another. T- although from what I've, I'm told it's hard to get a breakthrough dose from the vape pens. Mm. Um, although people can get more of teaser doses from it, but for the full breakthrough, it's simply a hard thing. So there's a technological, I mean, Terrence McKenna might call this the price of entry. I remember he said that in, in reference to morning glory seeds, which have a very mushroom like effect in, in the set, like, but, but, but they give you more nausea, you know, much like peyote or something, but he was like, it's the price of admission, folk. What are you afraid of a little tummy ache? You know? And like, if you consider that what, um, shamanistic cultures, what does he call it? Endurance shamanism or, or like pain shamanism. So the people that used to put hooks in their chest oh, yeah. and hang for three days, they were doing that to go into DMT trance states. And I was like, comparatively a vape pen sounds pretty good. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. They would take poisons to to almost die because the high of coming back from almost having died was similar, was a psychedelic trance basically, or a a level of ecstasy. So I was like, yeah, the nausea and vape pen doesn't seem that bad. So, you know, it, but in the real world, like, and you don't even get the nausea for, you know, for the, for the DM, for DMT, but Mm. it takes people, you know, it's not it. So it's starting to creep up a little bit more, but it's still nothing compared to psilocybin and LSD. It's not like someone just, you know, the guy that someone buys their weed from, he also happens to have some of this. Would you like some? Oh, sure. I'll try it. And then you just swallow it. Like, right. That's it. You know, this is something people need to seek out. They usually need to find a, a friend who's done it to show them how to do it. And again, it sounds like it might be getting easier and get not recommending anything, but like, you know, with these vape pens, but again, you may not get the breakthrough dose. Like people, you know, if they're going to do it, have a breakthrough dose, they probably need to have the glass, you know, the glass, one of these kind of glass pipe methods, you know, they need to go somewhere. Like I, I, I know one guy that, that um, he was like, it was such a, a trip going to the, you know, he bought one of the pizos or the meth pipes, you know, to, to, to smoke it with. And he just felt like so weird going to one yeah. of these little shops in New York city. And he wanted to tell the guy like, I, 
believe me, I'm not smoking meth. You know, like, you know but it's like, you know, I'm that, visiting elves. I'm not doing anything weird. It's way more respectable, you know, than something like that. So it's like, it takes the, that nerd element of someone mm-hmm. to either know a nerd, well, that's a figure point. this out, or. Yeah. If, it, if it were a pill, maybe you would have. If it were a pill, you'd you'd be seeing more news stories about it, right? And I think that's what LSD took off in the in the late '60s, like that, because it was something you just put in your. And it was even easier than a pill. You could put it into a like whatever sugar cube blotter paper. You could have a, a you know a dropper and just drop and yeah. drop on your tongue. You know, it's like any of these you know methods, and so it's just like really easy for people. So just in the real world, that's that's a real effect. You know, I think yeah. just the simply and, and then. The three inhal there are there are people, a bunch of people I've talked to that said they took one inhalation and it was either too hot or they didn't like the taste and they weren't able to. I mean almost like like um William James, the founder of American psychology, was at the at at the core of our modern society's interest in psychedelics and in altered states and in mystical experience. He said he tried peyote. And he couldn't get enough of it to like he vomited the first time, so he didn't have an effect. And he said he's he he didn't do it again. He says he's going to take it on. He was really into nitrous oxide. He found that fascinating. But he was like, it was just hard to get the peyote in for him, you know. Mm, mm. And so there's some people, even if they're fascinated, they're kind of held back by the technology. What about people? I know Ramdas mentioned injecting it, which is uh, you can inject DMT, right? And in fact, one time Ramdas got injected in the butt by by his colleagues at Mil- when they were holed up at Millbrook, and he was just he was sick. He had the the flu or something, and they <laughs> snuck up to the bed and they jabbed him in the butt with an IM intramuscular injection of DMT. <laughs> what? Right. This is in um. It's in being Ramdas? No, no, no. It's in, I think, uh, not a book by him, but either in Storming Heaven or in um, uh, uh, the book by uh, by Lee and Martin Lee and and, uh, Lee and Schlain, um, Acid Dreams. Um, One of those two books. Sometimes they're. they're, How was his trip? They cover similar content. I, I, I can't. I can't call it before you answer. I'm like, if I was just laying there and uh, he liked that sort of stuff. So like was the it's like when the Beatles first took LSD, they were dosed uh, and they and they explained that they didn't want them to get paranoid. So if Ramdas just was sort of like laying there pretty calm and just fluey he wouldn't have had any time to get scared about it. And maybe it could have been a good experience. Well, so here, I don't recall, like, I I might be getting this wrong, but I recall that he wasn't happy about it. Uh, Yeah, Um, I wouldn't be happy. And things got a little weird at Millbrook. uh, And, and I think it was in storming heaven as I continue to tell the story, but don't, it has to be verified, but, but um, it's also an IM injection, which means the DMT effects are going to start creeping over up, after a few minutes, mm. still very quick compared to like swallowing mushrooms or LSD, but nothing compared to like, Hey, like the three big hits, people are already tripping into the first and second hit on DMT when they're inhaling yeah. and inhaling. Something is going to be very similar to an IV injection, an intravenous injection. So an intramuscular injection 
seeps into the system a little slower. So he probably had a few minutes because he's going to feel the butt jab. Oh, yeah. You know, he's going to have a few minutes to be like, what the hell, dudes? Yeah, yeah. What did you just inject me with? I would be... And from what I know about him, mostly reading about him, I think that would have really pissed him off. (laughs) I mean, anybody. I can't think of anybody, even someone like Shane who loves it, that would want someone else to shoot it into you. That sounds horrible. Right. Just sort of a violation of... It is a violation. It is. Which people have talked about this and the term has been used, psychological rape, the whole idea of like serendipitously dosing people. It's really not... No, oh, and there's stories of people doing it to folks at Burning Man and one. It's it's not cool at yeah yeah all. Just to put it mildly, it's, I agree. He the weird Ramdas DMT story that I heard. I can't remember where he said it, um, but he said that he would inject it intermuscularly in the green room of talk shows where he was about to do an appearance. So he would just. That's how cavalier. And fearless he was because he's like, look, if I'm going to go and talk about spirit, I want to, like, give these people the best Ram Dass there is, which is the guy who was just there. Um, that so it would be over by the time he did. It would be show. over. It was, like oh. he, he was like an hour or so before the show. It wasn't like close. That leads wow. me. I wonder, Matt, I, I don't want to put you in. You have final cut over this episode. You can edit out anything you want. But I, I'm not asking if you've done things. I'm just asking. Ask me what I did this morning right before the interview. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You took a shot of DMT. That no, would no, be no. hilarious. Um, and you're just pretending to be impressed that Ram Dass did it. Um, <laughs> so here's Terrence McKenna. He's uh, what he calls himself a rationalist um, and a doubter. He had that great talk where he's like, it was Thomas who got to touch the side of Christ. It was his doubt that got him higher and closer to Mm. the divine body of God than anybody. So he really puts a high premium on doubt. Mm. And he doesn't believe in belief. Uh, He doesn't bring beliefs into these spaces. And then he says he did DMT. And he was like, any hyper-materialist belief system that this is all that's going on he uses the word, I think the beautiful word, eviscerated. He goes, it's irrevocably eviscerated doing this. And he said that, which is one of the reasons why I guess I'm being sort of selfish. I'm like, it, it'll be good for my my operating system. It'll, it'll inf- reinforce things that I already enjoy. Um, so I'll concede that selfishness right there. But um, he, he, he said, as much as he resisted it, he came to the conclusion that he was talking to disembodied humans, people, the ancestors. Mm-hmm. And, and every shaman, not every shaman, but a lot of shamans. And he would point out that we have 10,000 years of shamanism that led to lots of good things. And we only have however many hundreds of years of what we're doing. And look at, look at the difference. It's not, it's, it's not really a perfect experiment. We have stealth bombers and Starbucks, but like we are disconnected and unhealthy in ways that we could have never imagined. Mm. So he puts a lot of stock in shamanism and he's like, I kicked and screamed the whole way it dragged me there. But he's like, when you go into these States and I've had that with LSD and, and mushrooms as well, feeling like you're connecting to Young's collective unconscious, which, which is, includes uh, dead people, people who aren't born yet. It's all there. It's it's the oneness. If you are comfortable taking off your science hat, 
or keeping it on to the degree you'd like to. What are these places? Um, because, he, again, McKenna says Freud's idea that they're just like day residue or the stuff of like dreams is sort of shattered when you, like my thought experiment, this could be a DMT trip. The way that it's been explained to me, it's it's realer than this reality and it's more impossible than what you could imagine. So the idea that it's just something my grandmother said to me when I was a kid that's been resting in my unconscious that's come to life because I've taken a drug. Like, do you have any woo-woo or any mythology or any framework for like, where are we going? Where does the door in the floor take us? Where does... Where do psychedelics, what are they opening up? Where does Jodie Foster go when she goes to the right. portal? Yeah, so I'll, I appreciate your framing of that, Pete, because I will, I will say I'll, I'll take my hat as a scientist off and get into the realm of, of speculation, you know, sure. or just guess as a random person on, on the street. Those are the hats um, everyone else is wearing, by the way. We love these. Things. Right, those are like the ring. That's a weird ad for me. It's, it's like, I am a regular person. Like, no, it's am true. I incredible. You, <laughs> you, I like your special hat, but the rest of us are idiots just wearing the, I don't know, I'm, I'm just guessing. <laughs> yeah. So you're welcome so, to wear it. Right. The, the, it, and, and it's an important, you know, preface because like I, and I've written recently, like we got to be really careful with the whole field of psychedelic medicine that we don't step into the role of playing guru. It's all right. If like other people, it's all right. If churches use it spiritually and people use it spiritually, and it's all right for people in a a psychological medical context to have those experiences for them to guide their own meaning. But I get worried when a psychologist or a doctor tells someone like, Oh, this is going to make you slip through the bardos. And it's like, well, do we know that? Like <laughs> the bardos, are like, you know, that's a, a Buddhist model. Like plenty of people buy that. Plenty of people don't believe in that. Is there proof for this versus that? Like, what do we know scientifically? And it's not just about being cold and about being a white lab coat um, because you can have all of the empathy and providing the fertile soil for the, in the preparation and the trusting relationship with the, with the person to be there with them. And like, it's as human as human can be, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that connection. But in terms of whether that was a glimpse of God or those are the Bardos, or that was going into another reality, another dimension, it's like, you know, it really is on us to be scientists and clinicians as this stuff gets adopted into medicine. Hopefully it will be based on the data. Um, we've really got to take a, you know, not a neutral by neutral. I don't mean it, it you know, again, it's not about being cold or telling people, no, that's not true because God doesn't exist. You couldn't have had the experience of God. It's just letting them be the guide because a doctor is not an expert on whether God exists or not. That person having the experience is the world's expert and is just as much of an expert as anyone else on the planet about these big questions. Mm. Where there's no science one way or the other. So anyway, that's my, you know, yeah. like preface on it. But with that hat off, I I think um, I'm open to possibilities. I think a lot of these, my best guess as a person is that a lot of these kind of languages from different traditions that they, that they are describing things that are real or real enough that, that we don't, you mess up as soon as you wrap any language around it. I think reality is so infinitely more complex than we will ever, certainly than we have ever 
figured out to this point that it is so far beyond our comprehension. Like we have no idea what the real deal fully is. And that, that some of these frameworks that, that, um, that touch upon, like, I don't know, like, is, is this visiting a different dimension? Is this, is there some sort of cross temporal effect? Is there, is God like a, a, a consciousness, a, you know, in the spirit of panpsychism? Is the entire universe conscious? Is are, are we just part, a pinch of this entire? Is there subjectivity to the universe, and we're just a pinch of that? And this is the universe experience in itself, and therefore, in a psychedelic, one might be aware of a broader spectrum of that. I love um, pinch. Pinch is great. Yeah. Like we're part of that. Like you're, you know, a drop of water in the ocean. You're not the, like you're part of the ocean. You're not all but, of the ocean. But there's but also something about it. One in p- the same. Picture like a, a, a big parachute laid out, two parachutes sewn together and it's filled with water. You could pinch it. You know what I mean? And like that little balloon that you create has the illusion of separateness, but it's really just a pinch of a right. conscious universe. That's really fun. Oh, I like that example. Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 with the uh, with the parachute. Uh, so I'm open to this. I mean, I, I think, and, and and frankly, I'm open, and it touches upon these. Uh, I'm really I'm open to um, the stuff that falls into the category of psi phenomena. Um, like what's that? Uh, that's kind of the new term for paranormal. Um, so a telepathy, telekinesis, um, clairvoyance. Have um, you run into any of that in your research? I mean, I've never done research on it. In fact, it's probably it would probably take a while before it would be sort of palatable to kind of combine that with psychedelics. Yeah. There used to be a co- a common interest among some people back in the '60s among psychedelics and the paranormal, but those two areas of interest diverged through mutual self preservation. Because if you're crazy enough to be into one of these things, the last yeah. thing you need to do is like load the other one on board. Well, That's my favorite conspiracy theory is the way to discredit a conspiracy theory is to staple it to an even crazier conspiracy theory. And then you go like, well, you're just nuts. Like interesting. It might, it might be, it's like you guys, those guys were smart going like, I think we're going to kill each other. (laughs) Right. So go our separate ways. So so it's like, and, and, but there were incredible anecdotes of, of these types of experiences even happening on, Psychedelics. Now you don't know whether they're true or not, and there's these anecdotes outside of psychedelics. Uh, it would be interesting to see if psychedelics kind of had had an effect. Mm. So, and I will tell you, there's a guy, Rupert Sheldrake. I don't know if you've come across his work. He he actually did um, some talks with uh, Terrence McKenna back in the day called Trialogues with um, a <laughs> physicist. I forget his name, and and Terrence McKenna and Rupert Sheldrake. Rupert Sheldrake created this really. Um, yeah, I'm not too into it, and I think it's out there and, and you know pretty much proved like not to be true. But this idea of morphogenetic fields that the universe learns things, and that's you know once sort of a plant is created, it's easier for the universe to produce that in another area. This kind of type of thing. But mm. anyway, he he was an aficionado of out there ideas, um, but he's also w- very into these psi phenomena, and he published a number of papers. Um, in scientific journals on um, rigorous uh, tests of telepathy experiments. And I actually conducted one with my wife as a participant um, informally. So this isn't sanctioned research at Johns Hopkins. This is me 
sort of just doing this as a, as a parlor experiment uh, mm-hmm. for myself and um, got very significant results. It goes like this. One of the most common part of his deal is like what his critique of the traditional psi research is that it, it's stuff that doesn't really map onto what, if there is a reality to any of this, like we should be looking at to the example, what are the anecdotes of what people report? And it's not like guessing one random number out of a million, it, that type of thing. It's things like, oh, I was just thinking about you when you called. Yeah, yeah. An attractive woman just having a spidey sense that someone's staring at her. Yeah. Or a pet going crazy before the owner comes home. Like in ways that are kind of mysterious. It's or like, going to the door and at, when the owner left work. I saw that study. It's so, like they had cameras on the house and the owner, the dog would run to the door the moment the owner left work, not when they arrived. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, so yeah. it's this type. He's like, let's study those phenomena. So he set up this ex- really simple experiment anyone could do where you have a person like my wife say, okay, four of your friends who, who are part of the experiment – Every five minutes, I'm going to call one of them like a minute before the hour, like before eight o'clock, eight o five, eight o eight ten. Um, and I say, you know, you're it for the eight o five time point. Like, so they call her before she looks at her phone. The phone just rings. She writes down what her best guess is, and um, and you do that a number of times. So I did beforehand. So I'm going to do 24 trials. I looked at what was published. I said, you know, and you got to be careful of things like you're not just going to keep adding trials until you get significance because that's something that's called p hacking. That's like you're ch- cheating the system. Hmm. And it's something purely by chance, like you're com- comparing your results to what you might get purely by chance because purely by chance you would get be correct one out of every four times. You know, which of these four friends is going to call you? And, and and by the way, it's determined by me just flipping a coin twice and determining one out of four what which of these four friends it's going to be. Hmm. And and so she was right on uh, was it thirteen out of twenty four trials, which is actually and, and the prediction is like is only going to be six, and the p value is point zero uh, zero two, which I know I'm getting in scientific lingo here, but what that means is you would expect that degree of correctness if it was purely by chance, only one out of five hundred times. Wow! So it's an extremely unlikely, and I. And I did my very best. I don't think there's any way that there was any other confound in the experiment. Now, it could have been like just one out of 500. You do that 500 times, it's going to be that extreme of exalt once. But it was enough for at least me, the one time I did it in my own hands, to be open to these phenomena, um, to at least not dismiss them out of hand. Wow. Um, Wow. And so there's, you know, and, and my wife is someone, she's not into it. She doesn't brag about it or make a thing about it she's not wired like me it's it's like i was like man if this is true this is like changes our very conception of reality and she's sort of like eh, it'd be interesting to talk about at a party you know like <laughs> just like she's not the big psychedelic fan you know yeah, like yeah, she's yeah. extremely smart she's a neuroscientist but she actually has a personal history of these types of things like getting that spidey sense and it kind of tends to run in her family it seems wow and so and that's another thing that Sheldrake's work shows is that that the, your one's ability to be right on an experiment like that um it, it it's it, it it actually it's a trait you know just like being a good bowler versus not you know or a good mm-hmm. you know whatever mm-hmm. um 
that certain people score high. Like, you know, and it may be that there's some thing that they have. Now, the backdrop to all of this that I don't know for sure, I'm open, I don't know for sure there's something real here. If there is, I completely believe that it is natural. Mm. In the same way that if we showed people 500 years ago cell phones and, you know, like. That's right. It's only magic. magic. We don't have a slot for it in our story. Just like, and we're back at UFOs. Now we're seeing UFOs all the time and we have UFO data and footage. And very quickly people just go like, I guess UFOs are real. Like it just, just like when someone said, I'm going to put 5,000 songs in your pocket. And we're like, I guess that's real now. Or just like your, your son going, I guess when I drop this, it falls now. Like we adapt to really weird things. So I love that you're saying that it is natural because it's happening. We call it supernatural because nat- that that presupposes that like what has been understood to be real is like the most real you, you know what I mean it's like like what's real and what's borders. not real. Yeah. Like yeah. like there's a separation between like if there is something like a consciousness to the whole universe and we figure oh that's what people have been calling god all of these years if we figure that out scientifically well, it's still really impressive, but it's, but it's no longer supernatural. It's just natural. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's natural. Like, nature just becomes way, way more impressive and cool. Right. Uh, and it already was. But, and it, and and it already, already was, was, but we just don't know more about the explanation for it. But that's one of the, the things. We didn't talk that much about mushrooms, but mushrooms and LSD, and which, which we know is a mushroom ergot, right? I'm uh, in, Again, to use yeah, the word imbue yeah. again, it's like it makes you fascinated with a rose <laughs> and isn't that that i think we can agree i mean some people don't agree the 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 black and white videos of the 50s and 60s didn't agree that it was a good way to spend your time staring at a rose but i would say uh it, it most certainly is um really yeah. really interesting i can, i think we can all relate to that too usually this is this is really i'm not even wearing a hat if i if my phone vibrates i have a guess on who it is and i'm almost always right i don't get that many texts but i'm all or i'll pick up my phone going i bet val texted and she texted one minute before i picked up the phone or i'll go and i again i i could see a skeptic going like well you write an email your brain sort of is tracking that Someone's going to, you know, even though you don't know consciously that usually takes three days. So you check your mail and you're like, and you predict it, but you didn't really predict it. You're just noticing a pattern. But I'm talking about like, we all know that phenomenon of like, I haven't talked to you or thought about you. And, and I just thought about you. And then you called really interesting stuff. Really time after years sometimes. And yeah. Yeah. And, and, And by the way, Sheldrake has published papers on that. Like, what if you know that one friend like that? They called not at four o'clock, but at like at three fifty nine and fifty seven seconds. And you know that one friend is more wacky and not as on the time as the other friend. So he even yeah. like did stuff to control wow. that. Wow. Like, and address that. And that didn't seem to be driving things. So Wow. It, oh, that's really smart. But I love what interesting studies. I love how clever and creative science gets with controls like that. Like it would be a clue if they called three seconds early, it would be a clue. Yeah. Right. right. And we're good at, at recognizing patterns. I, wow. What a fascinating, and what it a could fascinating all be conversation. Bullshit, but I'm like, you know, I'm open. Yeah. We're having fun. And I That's... would say, and at the other thing is like, just if that, if there is a reality here, 
I still believe that 99.9% of palm readers are full of shit. Like, you know, <laughs> it's like, it, it's not black and white, you know, it's like, yeah, it doesn't mean, yeah. you know, that anyone claiming this ability actually right. has it. That's right. Or is using it all the time, you know, so. Well, Matt, I uh, could talk to you for nine years and we've talked for two hours and I have to pee so badly. I, <laughs> I, I really feel my 42 uh, age when I, when I do these podcasts now. And I'm like, I used to talk for like three hours, no problem. Um, I really have to pee. The final question, though, that we always ask everybody, so it doesn't have to do, any, have to do with anything we've been talking about. Uh-huh. Can you remember a time in your life that you laughed so hard you cried or just laughed really, 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 really hard. Maybe you were a kid. Maybe somebody fell down. Maybe somebody farted. Maybe you were on a non-specified drug experience. <laughs> Can you, when you think back to the hardest laugh of your life, what, what comes to mind, even if it's not number one? Oh, gosh. I have... I've had a couple of come to mind here. I'm trying to... Oh... <laughs> one experience um I, oh gosh <laughs> I, 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 i'm too much self-censoring here um and i'm trying to be specific and not really like get out of it you know what i mean i'm not trying to like, no i understand hey i grew up in the i grew up in the church i know what it's like to talk to somebody that has like bumpers <laughs> you have to like stay in a certain lane Yeah, one where I've just really lost my shit and just like have had a hard time like breathing. I get, you know, I I, I get this way sometimes and I'm having trouble thinking of 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 a time. Well, here's here's a time like where and it, <laughs> it kind of relates to the stuff we're talking about. Let's I was at burning man and it was just real there was a lot of sleep deprivation involved sure and i and i remember uh just the hanging out with someone and getting into the idea that the universe was was disappearing and just laughing his (laughs) uncontrollably oh my god did the universe just disappear did the universe just disappear? Did the universe just Oh my God, did the... It just did. I think it did. Oh my God. That's probably not translating very well, but like... Uh, I love it. I get it. We're at Burning Man. It, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's all I need. It's all I need. Okay. A wonderful answer. Um, so would you... Thank you, first and foremost, for doing this. I loved it. And we always have, it gives us a sense of closure to have the guest say the catchphrase. Uh, If you would honor us by saying, keep it crispy, it's just how we sign off. And thank you again. So however I want, just... You can say, keep it crispy in any style you like. Keep it crispy. Very good. (laughs) Thank you, Matt. That was awesome. I'm so crispy. My ice game make you hate.